0: Welcome to Teeth and Titanium, a podcast about oral surgery, residency, and life. We would like to thank the Canadian Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery for their continued support. All
1: opinions expressed in this podcast by the hosts and their guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of the CAOMS. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for surgical decision-making.
0: Okay, welcome everyone to Teeth and Titanium, episode 29. This is our February episode. Oscar, how's it going? It's good. Can't believe we're already two months into the year. Yeah, no, I do find this year is flying by. I mean, obviously for you, you announced last time you have some big milestones coming up this year, later on in the summer. So really, from from one parent to another, I would say, I hope the time's not flying by because things are about to get crazy (laughs) for you. So it's funny, everyone says that because I do say, I'm like,
2: oh, everything's going so quickly. They're like... Just enjoy it because it's about to get crazy for the, at least for the first couple of months, like obviously it'll always be a little crazier than our life is now because mm-hmm. our life is, is very relaxed. We
0: don't have any other stresses, but mm-hmm. everyone says the first real, couple months, it's really going to get crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. And you, and you really gotta be supportive of Lexi because you know, Lexi's super, super understanding oh, of she- you and your work schedule and your hobbies and stuff. You. You're going to quickly i mean my wife said for every kid that we had i had to drop one hobby the problem is i have like a hundred hobbies so it hasn't really made a huge <laughs> I was
2: saying, she's not making a dent on that
0: <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be like that
2: family with uh, 17 kids just so that you can make a dent in your hobbies <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but no very very exciting for you a baby on the way later in the summer yeah or early or late spring boy girl do you know yet yeah actually, we just found out on our last trip we we're in south africa and we found out we're having a baby boy Awesome. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. So obviously I have two boys. So it's nice that you know our boys will be able to play with each other and, and a bunch of our buddies. It'll be interesting right? to see. Like a bunch of our mutual yeah, friends of our have our boys. And like a lot of them live close to you. So it'll be pretty exciting. Yeah, no, it's gonna be a good time. So congrats. Glad everyone kinda kinda knows about that are you the type of people that did like a big fancy gender reveal you just kind of told people what'd you do no and so we were we surprised not a big fancy
2: reveal at all like we were on our trip and we had a balloon and we popped it it was pretty much just me and lexi and the people who, who organized it for us but it's not like we had this big party or anything like that no we're pretty low-key especially Lex. like you were at our wedding our wedding had 40 people yeah right so nothing even lexi's deciding now is she gonna do a shower? Is she not gonna do a shower? But she's
0: pretty shy, so we probably won't even end up doing one. So no, nothing major mm-hmm. for our gender reveal. Yeah, I mean, you, your wedding was a, a small affair. I was just happy I made the guest list. Yeah, I was. I was trying. I was, was gonna make fun of you and say it was close. It wasn't close. You were coming up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you were always invited. That was easy. I remember. I remember to the church ceremony, Lennox came too. That's when yeah, you met Lennox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You made it. He <laughs> came looking fresh though. Yeah. And he was on his best behavior. He was like a miracle. He was so good. Yeah. You even said, you're like, I don't know what's happening, but he's amazing today. Yeah. I was like, today's the best day with him for (laughs) sure. So that was awesome. All right. So yeah, exciting stuff for you. With that, let's jump into current events. So Oscar, one of the. Current events I wanted to bring up with you right away. So I was fortunate earlier in the month to go down to Charlotte. It was a nice. little bit of a fellowship reunion, catching up with everybody. My former, yeah, former staff, former mentors. Really had an awesome time. Welcomed me with open arms. Got to you know go to the office, see some cases in the office again. Just like what a great setup. It's it's funny working now in Canada mm-hmm. after the fellowship, and then okay. going back, you realize like I wow. remember what this was, but. It really yeah. is quite nice having the ability to do so many things in office. Applying for your permanent but- residency? <laughs> 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 no, hold on, no, no. Yeah. I'm happy in Canada. I'm staying in Canada. Nice. They know that. Yeah. I'm locked down. But, you know, the other nice thing was you could just get to, to hang out with your mentors, run questions by them, ask them about cases. Yeah, they're doing. Oh, kind of amazing. like a little bit of a refresher. And especially for you, done. especially for you who you're in a solo practice, right? It's almost like you get back to mm-hmm. this group that, that you really had that was such a support system for you. Yeah. And, you know, I've been texting them all the time since I left about cases or questions, but mm-hmm. then you get to meet them in real life. Oh, and it's, it's kind of nice. It's like a nice catch up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I was hanging out with Brian a lot and he was nice enough to I mean, he mentioned about 4000 times while I was there that he was my chauffeur. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is he was, you know, Farrell was taking me around to different offices to say hi to the staff, say hi well, to the people. You know what?
2: He didn't want you parking in his spot.
0: Yeah. The, oh, That's oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say let's just say a certain a certain person. That was interviewing to join the group, marked no. in his spot. Oh, and we got there, and we both said, "Oh, he's done." Yeah, yeah he's it's got no over. chance. He's
2: got no chance.
0: <laughs> he's got no chance. Like, this guy's done. But you know, Brian saved me around. We went to lunch, and, and first well, I went to breakfast. You know, we went to dinner the night before, mm-hmm. and you know, they're super generous. Even if I try and pay, they're not going to accept me paying. Mm-hmm. They're paying for everything, covering thing. And then Brian's paying for breakfast, buying me, buying the office. And then I said, Brian, let's go to lunch. And then we go to lunch and there's this Euro place that we went to. And, and pretty much every time we were operating together, we'd always go to this euro place. Okay. So I said, you know, we gotta go back there. It's like sentimental. And we went when we went there, I paid for it. Nice. So I made sure that I, I was like Brian, one time so let me pay for it. It's not expensive. You know this doesn't cover a bet, right? Well, this is what I'm getting to. <laughs> this is what I'm going to. I did not think of that at all. I genuinely, my my motive was just he's being so nice yeah. to me everyone's being so nice to me they covered me for so long they paid for so much of my stuff I, let me I'm gonna do something lunch like yeah. something so small a token yeah. and he, he was like okay fine so we get in his car we get back to the office while we're getting in the elevator to his office i say to him I'm like man it's just like old times getting euros and he says by the way you know this doesn't count as the meal yeah 100 <laughs> for for the bet and i started laughing because i told him i didn't honestly i didn't even think about that like that wasn't the motivation now also one of the reasons i love our friendship is we will always be real with each other like we're not going to sugarcoat if i think you're making a dumb decision or you're being yeah stupid or greedy you're calling me or up. smart or whatever i'm calling you out yeah and it might be in private obviously we don't do it yeah, the podcast, yeah. it might be in private and the same way i feel like i could come with your question and sometimes you'll say wendell you're overthinking it or just like relax just like or, or yeah you're not yeah or you're yeah. right you or or you're you're not standing your ground enough yeah. you should do more you know like I feel like that's one of the best parts of our friendship. Mm-hmm. So I need you to be real with me here. I went to the U.S. I took Brian out to lunch. I bought him a meal and I paid. I don't. Zero. My intention was not to. My, listen, Zero. my intention was not to satisfy the <laughs> requirements of the bet. But I want you to explain to you, why is the bet not satisfied? Why am I not off the hook? I I did. I did what I was supposed to do. Okay, So, yes,
2: you did. But there was one thing you're actually missing. That person gets to pick the restaurant. We said that.
0: Okay, I forgot about that, but yeah. I will say that I suggested yours, and Brian agreed. Does that not count? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> so, if you're gonna get like in a
2: lawyer, you probably would. You probably would win that argument, but you would lose hmm. in life, because if that's how you lose in act, life, he probably never speaks to me again. That's my point, crew, right? <laughs> right? And the benefits he gives you is so much worth that dinner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also i guess he could argue that you weren't there and it's supposed to be like the three of us yeah, together yeah yeah and i'm gonna so argue that out. too
2: i'm gonna to be like this this euro is not gonna cut it we're going to a legit restaurant we're taking about properly
0: yeah and also to be fair the dinner that they all took me out to like the night before compared to the euro that yeah I bought, yeah I mean, if, if anything
2: <laughs> you, you like, need a, I, you, I, you need to owe a month
0: of euros there Yeah, like if I had paid for the dinner, then no question, I'd be like, oh, no, no. I would say you're done, you're done. Yeah, Yeah, but I I paid for the euro. (laughs) Okay, Okay, so it doesn't count. Brian was right. Fine, listen, as I said, you're open, you're honest. It's two against one, I'll I'll take it. I I still owe him a dinner and hopefully we'll be able to do that in the future. Yeah. The next thing we wanted to talk about was, I think we mentioned this before, we always like to get to know our new CAMS executive whenever like a new president comes in, a new C-R-A-O-M-S president comes in. This year we have Rob Wagner as president, Hanman as the resident president. And so Brad did reach out. You know, he asked them to kind of introduce themselves and maybe tell us a little bit more about themselves. So why don't we listen to their audio and then we can talk about it afterwards. So awesome. first up we have the president of the CAMS, Rob Wagner.
3: Hey Teeth and Titanium, this is Rob Wagner and I'm the current CAOMS president. Thanks so much for the invitation. I currently practice in Regina, Saskatchewan, and provide a full-scope oral maxillofacial surgery practice. Wouldn't it be great to have another surgeon here? I, hint, hint. I was born and raised in Saskatchewan, attended the University of Saskatchewan for undergrad and dental school. My OMFS training was in Detroit at University of Detroit Mercy and Wayne State University Medical School. After graduation, my wife and I moved south to Florida Fort Lauderdale at Nova Southeastern University where she pursued her pediatric dentistry training. And I worked as faculty with the dental students and surgery residents for the next few years. After completion of her residency, we traveled to California, where I took a position with Kaiser Permanente for the next five years. We always felt the pull back to Canada, and we returned with our then young family. I joined the CAOMS in 2009, my return, and then I acted as Prairie Rep from 2010 until recent, when I I joined the line. My goals for presidency are quite simple. I want to continue the work being done by our executive to continue to support the CAOMS through our social media campaign, the Teeth and Titanium podcast, which we wholly support, and the upcoming ICOMS meeting in Vancouver, 2023, which we are the host country for. We encourage all members, non-members, to consider attending this great meeting, June 8th to 11th, 2023. In 2024, we will be hosting our own annual meeting, which we already have a location picked. We have speakers lined up, and it's going to be a great source of camaraderie as usual. This will be held in June of 2024. Look out for more details. Thanks again to the Titanium for this invitation to speak today. Thank you.
0: Awesome, Oscar. So that was a really nice message from Rob. What did you think? I think I'm applying for a new associateship in Saskatchewan. <laughs> no i'm joking i'm joking i'm sitting in toronto <laughs> like crescent yeah. to cover ears. Yeah, yeah.
2: don't listen yeah. to this. Part. cover your ears no he's an awesome guy i've met him before when i was the resident kind of president
0: after you were oh and nice he was very very engaging so i think he's going to do great things for the coms me too i've known him for quite a while now on the executive always a super nice guy down to earth yeah uh, very easy to talk to also love that literally in his first ever message on teeth and titanium what did he start off with the shameless plug yeah, I mean, I've avoided shameless that, plugs for a while. You're, you're not a really shameless plug type of guy for the most part, but right away, oh, wouldn't it be great to have another person in Saskatchewan? Like right away, he's recruiting, and he's he, putting the message out there. You know, fair play. A fair, and I will say that, honestly, that's that's not even a full shameless plug because whoever ends up there
2: is going to do really well. Mm-hmm. Like realistically, mm-hmm, if you're going in Saskatchewan, you're going to do great as an oral surgeon.
0: For sure. And when he says he does full scope, he really does because he's reached out to me before on some of the cases he's working up or... Get some questions about guides or custom fixation and stuff like that. And he's doing full scope, yeah. like trauma, yeah. uh, orthognathics. Like, he's doing a lot. And he, what's nice is he seems to have a good collaborative effort with the ENTs and plastics there. You probably have to. I mean, there's no time for turf yeah. wars when you have yeah. you know such a limited amount of specialists. So his scope, when he says full scope, he means full he means scope. It. Yeah, no, that's and awesome. And then, obviously, the best part of the entire message was that he said they support TNT wholly. We do feel <laughs> yeah. like things are going no no listen we feel things are going well with the podcast but let's be real in the u.s every four years is a new president as long as the president likes it, you're you're happy in the cms it's every year yeah we got to keep right. him happy every all the time year. yeah <laughs> every year we got to <laughs> hope the incoming president is happy with us you know who knows we're one are, year away from getting canceled are we, are we extending rob wagner's term now <laughs> yeah well i'm four more years yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah Obviously, Amos is only one year at a time too, because probably because it's such a massive organization, mm-hmm. they can only do one year. But for CMS, we just got to make sure we always have we always have a little bit of an eye on the incoming president to make sure we're keeping them happy. Yeah, you got to know that way when they take over, they support us as well. Yeah, like you got to start you got to start hyping them up before they even take over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So thanks, Rob, for sending that in. We really like your goals and your missions, and, and we're looking forward to seeing how the year goes. And obviously, we look forward to everything that you bring to the table. Next up, we have the president of the
4: Residents Association, Han Min Miao. So let's listen to that. Hello, Teeth and Titanium. Thank you, Wendell and Oscar, for having me on the show. My name is Hanmin, and I'm currently the fifth-year resident at McGill and the president of the Canadian Resident Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery. This year, we launched the CAOMS Mentorship Program. The program is designed to match each resident with a surgeon in our community, And after that, they're free to connect as much as they want and discuss anything that may be of interest to them. We're still looking for CAOMS surgeon members to volunteer to be mentors. So, if you're interested in shaping the future of our specialty, then I highly encourage you to head to the latest CAOMS newsletter and scroll to the link provided and complete our survey to become a mentor. We will also continue our annual Resident Association webinar session this March. So far, we have four guests. From across the country, Dr. Jordan Gigliotti, young surgeon who just became program director at McGill, Dr. Clayton Davis, who just started his own TMJ fellowship, Dr. Jeff Soparlo, who will be returning to Canada after a fellowship in Australia, and Dr. Harshdeep Mangat, who completed the European Academy of Facial Plastic Surgery fellowship in London, England, before returning to Vancouver to practice. I was actually going to ask you, Wendell, but then I realized you spill your whole life on the podcast, so I guess the residents can get your two cents every month by listening to Teeth and Titanium. Obviously, my segment wouldn't be complete without talking about the ICOMs. We've been pushing the residents to submit their abstracts. In fact, the CAOMS will select two top Canadian abstracts and give those residents an all-expense paid trip to Vancouver for the ICOMs. So I hope we'll have a lot of Canadian representation. There's also going to be a resident lecture at ICOMS given by Dr. Galli E. Galli with introductions by Dr. David Koppel. This will be a more casual event and a break from the formalities of the conference for the residents and an excellent chance for the residents to meet other residents from different countries all around the world. Lastly, I'd like to mention next year's Resident Association President and Vice President. Congratulations to President-Elect Kareem Botros, who will be entering his fourth year at McGill, and Vice President-Elect Matthew Fagan, who will be entering his third year at McGill. Matthew will take over as president the year after. And yes, it's all McGill, and I swear I did not rig the votes. I did, however, strongly encourage my fellow residents to apply for the position as the Resident Association President. So what I would say to the other residents at other programs is that I strongly encourage them to throw their name in the hat in the upcoming years, step up and get involved. That's all for me. Thanks, guys. What an honor it is to finally make it onto the podcast.
0: Oh, well, Oscar, lots of digest there for sure from Hanman, who obviously, yeah, he, he's at McGill. I knew him. He was one of my junior residents. Nice. So, I mean, breaking it up, the first thing I would say is you no, know, Hammond's a loyal listener and, and not recently, like when he became involved in the association, he's been listening literally since episode one. Okay, he gets credit and for sure. He gets credit for sure. And also he's someone that actually would listen and reach out both publicly and privately, mm-hmm. like supporting the podcast, saying certain parts were funny or like he always reached out in on day one. So I definitely appreciate that the fact that he always promoted us from the beginning. And I think, you know, for both of us being the resident president, you kind of need to figure out how you want to make your mark or what you want to yeah. help out with. And I think for him launching this mentorship program it sounds like a lot of work but it sounds like it could be extremely beneficial so it's funny we were like as we were listening to that we were both because
2: we're doing it on zoom right now recording on zoom we were looking at each other like this is a great idea this is something that i think will help residents a lot being able to speak with someone in the community questions that you maybe don't want to ask your own staff because you're nervous to ask them kind of getting that that outside perspective i think
0: that is an awesome Mm -hmm. idea that's a great initiative for sure and that's the key being able to speak to someone either in a different geographical location or someone with no conflicts of interest is totally different yeah. because when it comes to your staff, you know, you don't want to disappoint them. You don't want to embarrass yourself, you know, even something as simple as saying, how much money should yes. I expect to make in my first year? You can't really ask no. yourself that you can't really ask the person you're interviewing with that. It's just, you know, it's awkward financial things, a scope of practice. How did you do a contract? Like, like, how was it as an associate? How was it in a group practice? How was it in a, like, did you try any other
2: practice? I think it's an awesome initiative that he's trying to set
0: up. Yeah. So we obviously encourage all the surgeons to reach out and sign up as mentors. And we encourage the residents to sign up mm-hmm. and try and get a get a mentor because it could be invaluable. And guess what? All this stuff is free. Like, Take advantage of people it. People volunteering their time. Take advantage of it. You're going to graduate. You're going to go for a C course. You're going to pay thousands of dollars. to. You're going to have to, to people buy people euros. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah. You're going to have to line up euros yeah, just yeah. to keep people on side. <laughs> so you might as well take advantage of while it's free. Exactly. Yeah. I did also love how literally, you know, he took the opportunity. Well, I guess it's not a shameless plug, you know, because he's promoting a program that they're doing within the association. So I don't think that's a shameless plug No, because it's not, He's not trying to brag about what they're doing. He's more just trying to get people involved. He's phone. promoting. I'll take it back. Yeah, yeah. He's promoting. It's it's promoting, and you know, it's, it's totally appropriate. I was going to say because both him and Rob are kind of throwing in the plugs, but I I think it's no. appropriate. I no. think I, I think you're right. The annual resin seminar, you know, that is always a great thing. He mentioned the four people that That's a are stack lineup. He, I was I was going to say he's got a stack lineup, good variety of people, nice, and like, also all young totally surgeons. different fellowships. Yeah. all young. I love the lineup. I told you I listen to this annual resin thing every year because I always learn something. Like. I'm a new grad yeah. still. I when I he kept naming the people. names, I'm like, great, 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 great. I'm like, this, yeah. is, this is awesome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so so definitely really pumped for that. And that's a nice thing. You know, he did mention that he didn't ask me because people listen to us every month. And I got to give kudos. Like, I'm glad he didn't ask me. You know, we, that's all you want. We you want people to listen
2: enough that they don't need to ask you.
0: Yeah. And also, we do this every month. And we're pretty open. Like, we're spilling our guts. We're, we're not hiding secrets. No. We're telling everyone all the tips we learn, all the advice we learn. We're sharing our complications. We're sharing like our our honest opinion when things go wrong or things go well. So I feel like people get our lives and understand what we're doing just by listening. I don't I don't think there's much to glean from even like a private no. conversation and, and, or, or a private meeting. And realistically, if people want to know anything else, we're pretty open. If they just email and ask, we're yeah. probably gonna answer it on the next podcast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, or if they want to be private, we can answer privately, but we're, we're pretty open and honest people. So I'm glad I'm glad he got some fresh faces there. So that was pretty good. And I mean, lastly, we got to address the elephant in the room. I mean, McGill president, incoming presence McGill, and, and then the president after this McGill. And listen, I'm not going to blame him because I've been through this process. You've been through the process. You yep. got to send out the email. You got to recruit people. You got to beg people to like to, to actually it apply. To convince people to apply and i mean shame on the other residency yeah, programs yeah. i'm just gonna throw that out there i'm gonna call I mean, if this was something where it was an election yeah if this was an election and they lost i mean fair enough you tried but if this is because other people aren't stepping up i mean shame on them. we we, we or know, should we, have programs or where- should we look into this more and for a recount because that's a lot of mcgill yeah so <laughs> listen you know me my natural tendency is always to go cynical and ask I'm, for a me, recount and, me, and launch an investigation I'm, I'm, yeah yeah i don't trust anything but you know what on this, yeah, the, this one, on I'm going to say it's yeah. people not applying. I have no doubts. Yeah, yeah, I have no doubts. On this one, I have no doubts because we've both been through the process and we know how it works. And for some reason, residents and, you know, maybe residents of certain programs are just lazy. Yeah. They don't volunteer for things. They don't come to things. Or, or maybe, they and maybe they don't Maybe they don't. see, not good. The, maybe sometimes they don't even see the
2: benefits. So oh, fine, you want to be lazy, be lazy, but there is benefits in this. Like even for yourself on a personal and professional level of just being involved, yeah. getting to see how someone who's in the profession for years Handles themselves at meetings, interacts with the other oral surgeons. It's, I think,
0: it's a smart thing to be part of. Absolutely. I mean, come to the meetings, get involved. I was at the Calgary meeting, bumped into Dan at one of the social functions, Dan Amura, and that's a year practice. That's a my, year, la- a year, or two yeah. years later, I own, I bought his practice. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't have happened. That I would never that, have happened. It right? would have probably,
2: especially right. because you were going to school in in Montreal, right? It's not like you knew the landscape yeah. of Toronto
0: hundred percent. So definitely encourage residents to get involved in like, if we don't start seeing some variety from these presidents, I mean, this is just going to, we're going to have a problem. We're on the McGill train here. Yeah. We need to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And no offense to the next two coming in, right? Like congrats to them. Oh, not at all. I actually know both of them. They're both great. They're going to do wonderful. They're going to do an amazing job. It's more, you wouldn't want the CRA or sorry, the CAOMS president to be from Ontario every year. Every time. Exactly. Every, every time. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah. Because you want the national, To be represented. Opinions and ideas and yeah, to be represented. So definitely encourage the other programs to get more involved. But thanks to Hammond for reaching out and uh, and best of luck with the mentorship program. All right, that concludes our current events. Let's jump into our mailbag. So Oscar, just one fan mail this month, but it may be one of our all-time favorites. Oh
2: yeah, it was Um, awesome.
0: yeah, we both read it and we loved it. So here it goes. Hi, guys. I'm an oral surgeon's assistant in private practice from Australia. We're really like getting more popular with the Australian. I, I like told it. you we got to make a trip out there. I mean, you're dying. No, you keep like, saying this every time you're dying. Time. We have I already to. went there for three weeks. No, I went there for three weeks. I'm not going to I'm likely not going to go there. For What's a another time. two? What's another two going to do for you? I'm an oral surgeon assistant in private practice from Australia. And I love listening to your show. I know I'm not your target audience, but I really enjoy following along with your show and it's prompted me to ask more questions and think differently and to be a better oral surgery assistant. One day I'd like to be the best. I just wanted to send you an email saying that even the non-target audience are enthusiastically listening. Regards, Steph Tilly. Okay. So right off the bat,
2: I have two things to say. First of all, how do I get her to our practice? Because she no, seems, no 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 no. no, no like, that, why that, did, that, why did I let you speak? That's words? a shameless plug for <laughs> I was gonna me. Say. Yeah yeah. Hundred oh, percent. Damn it! I, like she can send her oh. resume to Crescent Oral Surgery or Oscar <laughs> D at Crescent Oral Surgery <laughs> <laughs> whenever she wants
0: because she sounds. No, don't do it. Trust me. <laughs> I I know this guy in a long time. You don't want. Hey, listen. You want to hang out with him. You want to talk to him. You and want you want to, to work you with to him go on a vacation do you don't want to work with him trust me i've seen trust this guy me. in you're the up. office he's a demon you don't want to work with him now me on the other hand i mean not that i'm biased but you would love working with me i'm great i mean Steph, you, they call this guy you, the you, princess
2: they call him a princess you don't want to work with him okay so no that's one and that's all jokes good for her and honestly the person she works for is lucky to have someone like that who's that excited about her job and that motivated and the other thing is she shouldn't say she's not our target audience. Anyone who enjoys
0: oral surgery is our target audience. And so if she enjoys oral surgery, she's one of our our targets. Well, that's the funny thing. And that's what she made me realize that, yeah, first of all, I was going to say the same thing, which is the fact that she's that dedicated to her position, she wants to be a better assistant, wants to be the best, like just phenomenal. And I'm glad that our podcast helps her to (laughs) kind of learn our side, but also get her to ask more questions Mm -hmm. and and learn more about it. So I think that shows great initiative. But the whole non-target audience thing really, really struck a chord with me because you know, when we started, and even right now, we really focused on residents and practicing surgeons in Canada. Mm-hmm. But as the numbers have grown on the show, we've realized that obviously people have to be listening outside of Canada. You know, there's only yeah. about 400, let's say, surgeons in Canada, and the numbers have climbed up, you know, multiples of that. So then mm-hmm. you think, okay, maybe they're in the US, but now we know it's global. We have Australia, we have some Europeans, but the non-target audience, as she's calling it, you know, assistants, office managers, dental students, you know, people trying to get into the profession. yeah. yeah. They're a huge part of this too, and what's nice is we haven't really had to modify our format or our style, but we have made an active effort to try and bring in more well-rounded topics. You know, financial advice, life planning. You know, we talk about. We had an episode on how to get into oral surgery and the interview process. Like we have tried to reach out to people. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of all the people around. You're right; it's still all related to oral surgery. But this was really cool to to know that we're helping someone. Yeah, I really like this. So, staff, thanks for reaching out. Remember, that's info at FCO. <laughs> that's, you know, Oscar D. at surgery. Yeah, we really, really like this email. And we hope you're doing well in Australia. And listen, Oscar's dying to go to Australia. So maybe oh. he can reach out to you and, and set something up. Because every single time we get an email from Australia, and he, Why would he starts you up not with, what to... are we going on? Hey, it's like minus 15 right now while we're filming or recording. That's Why true. would you not want, want to go to home. Australia? That's true. Australia is quite nice. I really enjoyed my time there. All right. Well, that finishes our mailbag. Next up, let's jump into our guest segment. This episode has been a long time coming and someone, yeah. I think Oscar, you've been told many times that we need to get him on the show and we need to get him on soon because he's dying to come on the show. I go to work and he's like, when am I coming on? And I'm like, when are you coming on? <laughs> so Brian Rittenberg, for those people that don't know him, Oscar, how, how would you set him up? Brian Rittenberg,
2: I think there's two very big aspects to talk about him, both as a person and, and in that sense, one of the nicest, most amazing human beings, like really cares about people, really cares about residents, is there when you need him, people I've ever met. And I don't just say that now, like as a resident past or someone who works for him, because he is one of my bosses. Just if you ever need something, he is there to be there for you. Also, if you're ever stuck on a like, deserted island, a person I call is Brian Ritterberg because he knows everybody. Like literally he will yeah. get you off he's yeah. the guy you call for sure. He may not answer your he's call at well, first. He, yeah. That's the problem. He's not going to pick up the call. <laughs> he may not answer, But if you leave him a message, he'll get back to you. Like he will get you off that island. So that's from a personal standpoint, like you can't ask yeah. for a better human being. And then from a professional standpoint, I think super impressive and actually underrates himself. Doesn't realize how much he does because he's the owner of one of the biggest oral surgery practices in the country. He's a, he's a partner in them with, with us and uh-huh. oral surgery. But he's also the head of oral surgery at Mount Sinai, which is our biggest Mm -hmm. teaching hospital in probably the country, realistically, right? Just population Mm biases. Does every kind of procedure, but is not flashy,
0: doesn't show off. So both clinically and personally, I don't think you can ask for more as a person. It's wild to think about. I mean, one of the nice parts about having a guest on the show is you get to know them better and you get to kind of, you know, do your research, look them up a little bit, kind of figure out what are you going to talk about? What was the scope? You can talk to this guy about Anything, Anything. yeah. Anything. I mean, and people are going to see an interview coming up. Just the broad scope, and we had to whittle it down because there were so many things we could talk about. So we wanted to make sure we talked to him about obviously UFT and how he's a teacher there. He's part of the staff, and we want to talk to him about Mount Sinai and how he's the chief of the department and what that involves. But he's got this whole other side where he's a partner in a group practice. It's just crazy to think about. And what's funny, one thing that you mentioned that I think goes under the radar is his broad scope of surgery. Yeah. You would think, okay, he's the head of the hospital. He's a partner, but you can do those both things. Yeah. You take call and just do dental alveol. Yeah. And it'll yeah. be fine. Not you can manage either. your time. Yeah. You know, work. It. Guy's doing TMJ surgery, orthognathic, arthroscopy, implants, dental, you name it. Taking call. He still takes yeah. call, trauma, full scope. Like he's and doing everything. And it, it, it is impressive. Yeah. And that's why he sends emails at two in the morning. Cause I'm like, how do you think yeah. about all this? Like you're crazy. I don't think he sleeps. I don't think he sleeps. He's a (laughs) vampire. I don't think he sleeps
2: because there's no way. (laughs) There's not enough time in the day.
0: No, for sure. (laughs) All right. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome our guest, Dr. Brian Rittenberg to the podcast. All right. Well, Oscar, we're here live with our guest. You know, it's always better when we do these interviews live. We've said that before. We actually like recording with each other live in person, too. Yeah, but I don't give you this kind of spread. So this is the best live
2: event we've had so far well
0: so I, I walk in and we have you we have our guest Brian Rittenberg who we'll get to in a second patiently waiting for us to even speak to him yeah but I walk into his basement and there's water set up, there's a charcuterie board there's a bottle of wine I don't know anything about wine I assume it's a nice wine Oscar do you know anything about wine I'm not a huge wine person but I like it so that's all I really care about that's yeah that's probably more important than than the bottle but I, I the first thing I said to Brian was let's just make you a monthly guest like let's just record here every he's month just what are we doing yeah he just comes in every month now, before we bring Brian in, I will say it, it could be motivated by the fact that our last episode with Farrell, we had you know champagne, yeah. we had beer. Maybe he felt a little threatened, like I need to be yeah I like as him. fun or even more fun or even better. But you know what, you hosted at that time. I was just gonna say I bought and we brought and you bought the yeah. champagne. Brian just showed up and and drank everything and we stole him dinner. And we stole him dinner. <laughs> Whereas you know, Rudy he's over Ryan. here, yeah, he, he's hosting <laughs> us. So without further ado, Brian Ritterberg, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Pleasure to be here. And, and I can't be outdone by Brian Farrell.
1: <laughs> Brian's all have to do a good job as guests here. So welcome to my house. Definitely thank you for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. So obviously, Brian, this is kind of another unique interview where Oscar's known you as a resident. Oscar now works with you in private practice. I've known you for a couple of years now joining on Sinai, but some of our listeners might not know you as well. So first off, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us more about yourself? Absolutely. Brian Rittenberg. And
1: I've been around, so <laughs> I, I, I trained. That's I, a slogan. That's, it. that's right. Don't quote me on it. I, I did my, my undergrad dental school at U of T, University of Toronto. Spent a year following graduation as an intern at Toronto General Hospital, which was the former home of our training program here in Toronto. And then spent a year running the hospital dental internship program there before getting into the oral surgery training program at U of T. So I trained here from 99 through 2003.
0: Okay. We always um, like to ask uh, who was around you. Like, yeah, like who was your chief and who was like your junior? We no, always love to ask he's that. He's got a
2: stack lineup around So, it. so you
0: legends. So yeah.
1: first of all, the so first year dental school, Ben Davis and Ian Nish nice. were tutors in in anatomy. anatomy. Yep. I walk into Toronto General Hospital as a newbie intern, July first, nineteen ninety-seven, and who's walking out, finishing his chief residency year, is Ben Davis. Oh, nice. Right, and Ian Nish, both great guys, both mentors of mine, both of whom I've had the Super pleasure counting. and opportunity to work with. Ian, over the years, I've brought him into Sinai to operate with me yep. on some cleft, difficult cleft cases. And Ben, a real mentor through the RCDC, yep. brought me in as an examiner and I followed him as chief examiner of oral surgery. So, and a, both very good friends of mine. So they left the day that I got to Toronto General. Mm-hmm. The people that were there, Marco Caminetti was chief resident when I was intern. Oh, nice.
0: Another um, good name. That's pretty funny. Day. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Ian First and Leslie David were third years. So they were about to become, they, they were entering third year as I was an intern. Okay. Behind them, Hani Abdul-Salam, who's now working in the Middle East, was a second year resident. And Nick Blanis and Tina oh, oh, Blana, yeah. <laughs> as I was an intern.
0: That's crazy. Right? So,
1: by the time I, I became a first year resident, many had moved on. My chief was Hanny. And uh, Nick, so, it was, so it was Belano. And and, and be- <laughs> funny. Can I tell a funny yeah, story? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what it's
0: for. We encourage
1: it. And I'm going to apologize to Hanny now. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved Hanny. So, Sammy Barkin my, is my co resident, yeah. dear friend who I love. Sammy and I start first year oral maxillofacial surgery training program July 1st, 1999. Hanny's our chief resident. Nick and Tina, we saw very little of for the first couple of months. Hanny's a great surgeon, great guy, great chief resident. But I remember the first day Nick Blanis showed up, it was October 1st. He took over from Hanny Mm -hmm. to really train Sammy and I. And (laughs) first thing he said to us,
0: forget everything that you've learned. (laughs) (laughs) That's be, that's become a tradition <laughs> UFC because I heard the same thing happen when Oscar graduated. That's and then,
5: it. Yeah, hey, yeah. everything. <laughs> exactly.
1: In,
0: in all in all seriousness, though, Hanny was
1: great. Nick and Tina were fantastic, and 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 I I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, that a year behind Nick and Tina was uh, Hassan mogadam
0: oh, who's now back yet, involved yet, with yet. the training yeah. program? Another legend. And then yeah. when you were chief, now when you're in the program, who uh, are your juniors? Legends. Who's your junior? Yeah, who's your junior? More this is even more... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so, another, I have some funny stories about this. So, the two guys who were juniors, one of them's my partner in practice, Peter Julis. Oh, another And the bomber, Taylor McGuire. So, oh, so these two minus. guys, yeah. so wow. the fu- another quick funny story, residency interviews show occur in October, and Sam Barkin and I, as, as, you know, the following chief residents were on the committee. So (laughs) Taylor McGuire walks in and he's a U of T grad. So he was one of these real keeners at the time who hung around the house. I kind of knew him. He walked in. I looked at him. I said, I need to put my sunglasses on. He's like, what are you talking about? His shoes were the shiniest <laughs> shoes I've ever seen in someone in my life. He walks into the interview like this, and his his dad's a was a police officer, and he taught him. That you gotta, fits. You got okay, like that you really. Need Wait, so he shined them
0: himself. Oh like a, my god! It wasn't no. like a new pair. It wasn't no, like no.
1: He shined them himself for sure. So so oh. that was my my real introduction to Taylor, and and it was kind of a no brainer that those guys. Yeah. yeah. Peter and Taylor needed to be in the program. They were fantastic junior residents. I spent the first two months of my chief year in Australia doing an externship with Professor Jeff McKellar in Sydney. McKellar was at the time doing a lot of kind of groundbreaking work with Botox and for dystonias and facial pain. And so I wanted to learn from him. I show up back in September. So two months have gone by. My buddy Sam Bark and my co-resident has had these two guys Julius and mcguire mm-hmm. for an entire summer i came back i can't even repeat some of the sto- when i meet some of you in person <laughs> just ask me about some of the stories <laughs> that went on in the two months that i was gone i can oh, yeah. just pitch but they were they <laughs> yeah. were they were pretty funny but we had a fanta- that year was amazing they were great junior residents and unfortunately it was the last it was sort of the swan song yeah. for Toronto General Hospital. It was yeah. halfway through the year we found out that the hospital was closing the oral surgery and dental program. It's a stressful time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it didn't really affect us, fortunately, and the and the program found a home across the street at Mount Sinai, but. Anyways, they were fantastic junior residents. Albert Haddad and Steve Ho were a year wow. behind us, and Tom Cortez and Chris Fenton were in second year. So it was a yeah, real stacked lineup. That's a lineup nice, that's of, a nice group. Of surgeons. Yeah. So
0: you finish residency, then what? What happens after you graduate? 2003, UOT? Where do we go?
1: So a couple of things happened. One is Marco Caminiti was a junior attending throughout my residency program. And again, we had some legendary attendings at the time, too. Mm-hmm. Dave Walker. Padio Tokyo, Joey Friedlich, Simon Weinberg, Bo Krzysztofski, yeah. like some legends, Cam Clokey, George Sandor. We might want to edit those names out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had some like real legendary attendings. Marco Caminiti was one of my attendings. And when I was in third or fourth year, he took me aside. He, at the time, had made a decision to kind of move out of academia. Oh. And he was joining Eddie Rainish. In private practice at yeah. Crescent Oral Surgery, so Marco said, "Look, it, we need another surgeon. We really want you to join he us." He posted you, yeah, or he not posted He yeah. recruited, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he recruited. He recruited exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly,
0: yeah, kind of like we did with you, yeah, right, yeah. Oscar. Which I guess is kosher. People yeah. go to their own residence. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's kind of like you get early access. Yeah, to them. yeah well, now, you know what? In hindsight probably mistake <laughs> <laughs> probably mistake yeah. but but
1: uh, so that was so so Mar to me to Eddie I can probably had dinner or something and I, I interviewed at a few other practices but I felt comfortable yeah. really comfortable I trusted them a lot and I think if we may talk about decision making for residents later in this but trust and, and gut is like 99% yeah. of it. And it's not that the other practices that I went and interviewed at weren't great. Yeah. And it's not that I had lack of trust. It's just my this gut fit. told me these were the guys. Now in third year, one of my greatest mentors, Dr. Jerry Baker, who was chief of oral surgery at Mount Sinai. And at the time Sinai wasn't the home of the program, but being because oh, yeah, you guys
2: switched over yet. Yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah. being the provincial, that was the provincial center for TMJ reconstructive surgery. So Residents every Tuesday would cross the street and uh, the senior mm-hmm. residents would cross the street and operate either with Dr. Baker or Dr. Sutka, Dave Sutka, doing total joint replacement surgery. And Dr. Baker had approached me in third year and said, look, we really are interested in having you come join us here as a junior attending. And this was before, this was wow. before the yeah. program moved across the street. And I was like, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it gave me an opportunity to do something part-time in hospital. hmm do a bit of teaching to, At the time, I thought dental residents, not oral, sur- oral and maxillofacial surgery residents. So I had said yes to him. Kamini and Rainish both were in favor of that, and it just worked beautifully. And then this thing happened at Toronto General, and the training program
0: comes, comes across over. the street with me, wow. same time. Wow! You kind of got lucky that you were kind of grandfathered in because you were going to sign. I then the training program moved. If it happened the opposite way, and the training program moved, they might not have had space for you because yeah, they had all the staff already coming over. hundred yeah, so ti- I mean, percent. Timing. We, we talk we, about we, this all the time. Timing is yeah. everything, and you could be the best person ever, but matter. the timing just does out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. crazy. It was. I.
1: I consider myself very lucky and fortunate, and it really it sort of formed this pathway yeah. for A for speaking my go. career, right? Yeah. Which is because you still
0: both of those. Those are the two things you're in right now. Yeah, It's really straddling academia
1: and private practice and, and being with great people in both places, including the two of you guys. And right. So, so you're,
2: you're 20 years out this year, 20 years out. Wow. Yeah.
1: Congrats. That's July awesome. 1st, 2023 that's will be 20 years, 20 years out. It's crazy. That is like, that's a big deal. But it doesn't feel yeah. like it. Yeah. And the fact that you're at both places that you started at, that is also Nothing not the norm. Fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the norm. Yeah. It's not the norm. Yeah. I think, so I would say back then, there wasn't as much necessarily movement. movement. Yeah. Mm. I think now it's a bit more common and there's probably a whole bunch of reasons for It's Us, us new generation. No, yeah. I, you know what? That's an easy thing. So I think it is part of it. Even though. with my kids, I like to say you guys are, they're not millennials. They're just a hair below millennials, yeah. but I like to bug them about it. I don't know. I think it's a function of probably where we're at just yeah. as a people, right? Like just, Things are different now than they were then. Things are a bit more complicated. There's been a lot of, you know, stressors and things that have affected, I think, our profession. And, but yeah, there was a lot less moving. kind of moving yeah. around back then. But it, sure. it's, it still
2: is a testament to both the two places you're at and to you as well. Like not just to either thing. Like that's great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that so that's why that's where I am and why I'm here. I think my you know my road at at, at Mount Sinai was. It was a slow build, right? So it started as I had a clinic day once a week. Mm-hmm. If I had the auto-R case, Dr. Baker was very gracious and I would book the cases and, and operate with him. And then eventually I got a day of outpatient surgery a month. And then, you know, when unfortunately when Dr. Baker got sick and ultimately passed away, there was a bit of a void mm-hmm. there. And and so again, like it's, it's about you know there's always, horrible but it's
2: timing a lot of it's yeah. timing right
1: yeah. and 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 then i picked up some more time and and had a lot of good people around me there that supported me and wanted me to to succeed at what i do
2: and so, and so now if you can just wait because again some of the listeners don't know you where are you at sinai like what's
1: your position so at sinai i'm division head of oral and maxillofacial surgery which is a division we kind of straddle to mm-hmm. kind of fences right so there's it's a division within the Department of Dentistry, but it's also a division within the Department of Surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of answered, a, I sit on a lot of committees at the level of Department of Surgery, mm-hmm. very operative business unit meetings and other various committees that I've been volunteered to be on.
5: <laughs> and then I also answer
1: to our, to our Chief of Dentistry, Dr. Michael Goldberg, yep. and prior to that, Howie Tenenbaum, and mm-hmm. uh, prior to that, Mike Siegel. So I've, I've sort of been division head under the three of them. It, it, which is great. It's a little complicated at yeah. time because sometimes there's conflicting it's agendas. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and like to me, both are important. But sometimes I, different I, perspectives. And I always say, and Wendell, you'll you'll probably attest to this, I mean, at the level of the hospital, take the dental clinic out of it, they they're most concerned about what we do in the OR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And the dental clinic piece, they want, it's sort of, we're an autonomous kind of division within the Self-funding. hospital. Self-funding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, self-funded completely. Yeah, And so, you know, both are important, but I but I really, okay. it's important that the, that that we toe the line with the hospital and that we we keep them happy with what we're doing there and supporting their agenda and supporting Sinai patients. And I think we do a good job mm-hmm.
2: of it. And so that's your Sinai now, where you've been now
1: the division head. And then at Crescent, again, it's
2: not like you just joined Crescent. Now you want to explain where you are there at Crescent as well.
1: So when I joined Crescent, I have to shout out Norm Orlick, who passed away, actually passed away days after Dr. Baker. Wow. Um, about 10 years ago. You're not very good luck. No. Norm started the practice probably 25 years before Rainish yeah. and Caminiti bought the practice from him and, and uh-huh. rebranded it Crescent Oral Surgery. And Norm was a wonderful mentor. So when I joined Crescent, Caminiti and, and Rainish were partners. Norm mm-hmm. at that point had sold and was uh-huh. an associate. And I joined as, as an associate. And he really, they all took me under their wing. He was a great guy. I ju- they just had a memorial, a 10-year memorial for him. Wow. And, and his wife, Brenda, asked for some stories to be shared. And I just said the, the, the best thing that Norm did was he taught you how to live life. And the best thing he did for me was I remember now 14 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, my wife and I kind of we called ourselves cottage moochers <laughs> growing up. And neither of us had cottages yeah, for yeah. those who don't know, yeah, are what it be cabins, cabins. Some people yeah. Call yeah. Them, right?
0: Yeah, getaway, places. getaway no, places on a lake somewhere, on a lake
1: somewhere. Yeah. yeah, so we mooched, we mooched cottages, no issue for, forever. Yeah. We go to friends anytime we could get a weekend, and you guys away. liked it.
0: We loved it. Sounds like my dream. Yeah. Yeah, This is what I aspire to. (laughs) Wait, there's a level beyond that? Everyone
1: (laughs) can mooch from us. (laughs) We can host one of these podcasts up north in December. So, and Brad, you can come also. So in probably 2008, Lindsay and I, our kids were very young. They were at that point two and four. And we were like, you know what? The cottage market was not insane Mm -hmm. in Ontario like it is now. And we were like, we really should do this. And I was hemming and hawing. And I remember sitting there with norm one day and he said just he said when you're on your deathbed you're not gonna say geez i wish i didn't buy that cottage because i'd have that little bit of extra cash Mm -hmm. what you're gonna do is if you buy the cottage you're gonna have all those wonderful memories memories about it so we did it it was stupid we did it at the time and And uh, we bought bought an old cabin in the woods on the lake and it was the best thing that he and he taught me that you got to." do that. Like it's important to work hard. It's important to be, to strive to be really good at what you do, but you also need to enjoy life and take a step back sometimes and make sure that you're not missing out.
2: I think that's important in this profession because a lot of people that you surround yourself that are mentors are really about the profession, right? So to have someone outside who's like, yeah, the profession's great and we're fortunate to do it, but there's life outside of that. That sounds like a great person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that, so that was Norm and Norm was like that to a T and everything he did. One of the greatest things I remember when Norm was sick and he was in between his chemotherapy cycles, I, I was going on a ski trip with a good friend of mine, Seth Weinstein, I gonna shout him out. Hopefully none of you guys ever need him, but he's like one of the top criminal lawyers.
0: <laughs> That's what right what was that? Let me just write that name now.
1: Seth Weinstein and I were going probably 2010, we were going to Revelstoke to ski together. And I was sitting with... The, we were leaving on a Sunday. I'm sitting in the office on a Wednesday with Norm. I'm like, Norm, remember what you told me? You ought to live life. I said, you pack a bag, you book a flight, come with us. And I was so surprised. Yeah. Norm's like, fine, I'm coming. That's amazing. We had the best week. Norm came to Revelstoke with us. We had the best week skiing with That's him impressive. of all time. And it showed me that he actually lived, he, he, way. He lived the way that he yeah. taught. He, he wasn't, had he wasn't posing. He was posing. 100%. So... That was a, a wonderful, a wonderful trip. But and then just to finish this thought, so so Marco and Eddie, both great mentors and friends also. They over the years, I mean, it was a strange time. Like a lot of my colleagues, a lot of people were very interested in partnering and owning. Yeah. It's a little different than than now. Yeah. And, and you can talk 100%. just about that a little bit, Oscar. Yeah. Your situation's different because mm-hmm. you own a practice. Yeah. I find there's a little less motivation for ownership necessarily now than there was then. Like, all of my colleagues really wanted to own something. I wanted to be a partner, but I really trusted Eddie and Marco. And it took, like, because we were good friends, it literally took us 10, 11, maybe 11 years before it actually happened, right? Where, Where a transaction took place and lawyers and accounts were involved. It was not miserable. It was pretty smooth. Yeah. But I was an associate there for at okay. least the first, I can't even remember, at least the first 10 years of oh. practice. Mm-hmm. Then I partnered in. and We brought Peter Julis on board initially as an associate. He then left and came back. <laughs> Someone he came, missing out. He yet? came back. He, he had FOMO. He came, FOMO. Back, <laughs> came back as a partner. And <laughs> we've had a few associates come and go. And then we got this guy right here. Oscar to join us. yeah I'd love. We have Ross Linker, our new associate. I like shouting these people out. He's a beauty. We brought in. It's a pretty cool practice we have because we have a couple oral pathologists, Reva Black and iona leung We have Ernie Lamb as a radiologist in our group. It's a real dynamic, yeah, group. It's a nice place uh, to work. We have Priya, our pain specialist, is with us. So it's it's a really cool place to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, like the and I love Crescent Oral Surgery and I love working there. But the best thing I have is, you know, we all sometimes we all get if if you only have one thing going on, for sure. It can drive you nuts sometimes. Crazy. I have two things to drive me nuts because (laughs) I have sign (laughs) it. Yeah, right.
0: But it's funny you mentioned that because even for me because people always ask me all the time, like, why do you why are you in the hospital once a week and then why are you in your office? You own an office, like, how are you balancing is it bad? And I tell everyone, it's a nightmare trying to juggle both. But if I was five days a week at the office or five around. days a week at Sinai, I go crazy. I love that. the balance. I love yeah, yeah. you know having the, the residents and the different aspects. So no, I totally agree. It's good to have that balance, and, and you have a good balance. I mean, we're going get into later. You're beyond balance. you're, yeah. you're doing a I lot. As you saying, like I don't
2: know. If it's, yeah, like it's. Over I mean, we talk. could
0: we could talk for hours, but I guess at some point we have to ask. some yeah, I guess, them them guess. real we questions. We should get to the before we get to the real questions, though. We do want to ask <laughs> some fun ones. You know, we have categories of guests <laughs> that want to be on this show, right? So there's those that ask. There's those that expect to be asked. And there's there's those that play hard to get. You're you're in the asker. You you're a loyal listener. You say you listen to our episodes. You want to come on, and you always present it as you know. You just want to come on. You want to have fun. You want to yep. chat about whatever. Like you're just like you love the show and. So what made you want to come on and, and how come you're a loyal listener? Like we always like to hear people's feedback. I actually wanted to like, what do you, so it's not, photo bomb's not the appropriate. You wanted, wanted always, to bomb record yeah,
2: I wanted to yeah, bomb yeah, record yeah. you guys. And everyone's podcast. <laughs> <Yeah. contested laughs> come like, on, just <laughs> come on, come
1: on, just call <laughs> me on, come on. Well, first of all, you guys are awesome. I like both you guys. Brad sitting on, we're looking at his image there, another mm-hmm. awesome guy. I, I think that, I don't know that I have a great story to tell. I think I have a unique perspective and a unique situation in oral surgery that I like to share. I don't think you should downplay it either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think people are going
0: to realize in right. this episode, you have a lot you're to you a share. little bit more humble than you. Yeah. And we talk about this at work all the
1: time. But it's- I want to hang out with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're good with that. We like yeah, that. Listen, so- after the
0: charcuterie board,
1: you can call us over anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember that probably it may have been not the first podcast, but one of the early podcasts that I really listened to start to finish was Cam and mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was with my daughter last, like this time last year in mm-hmm. Fernie. I took her skiing during her reading week and the drive from Fernie to Calgary is about three, three and a half yeah. hours. Mm-hmm. Now, my daughter Joey and I like to listen to Spit and Chicklets. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's a great yeah. podcast, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Kind of inappropriate, but <laughs> yeah. a good podcast. Yeah. So we're in the car and she's like, dad, let's listen to Spit and Chicklets. I'm like, Let's listen to Teeth and Titanium first and then we we'll <laughs> and we listened. And at times I looked at her, I said, Do you want to turn this off? And she's like, No, I want to listen. And you guys that's, were great. That's, that's awesome. And, yeah. was great. Yeah. and since then I've I've listened to almost all of them. I don't know that my daughter Joey has. Hopefully she has. She hey, better she listen to this one. As long as she, she listened to that one and this one, she better listen yeah. to this one. That's okay. So I just thought, you know, I I I I kind of wanted to do this. It's, yeah. uh, no, we uh, wanted it's to have you on for a long
0: time. It's just a matter of, you know. Fitting it into. Fitting it in, your, getting scheduled. And, and, and not hits, getting COVID. I was just thinking, yeah. yeah we're we, had the you, we had you in a previous. We lost, you, <laughs> we lost you. We lost you to COVID. Probably the first guest we've lost to an illness. Yeah, and, and like you that. know what? I heard you on the phone, so I'm like, it's legit. I yeah. was bad. Yeah, man. yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we were going to do it on a Monday. Yeah, we were, it was pretty bad. Yeah, but I'm um, good. The other thing we wanted to ask you was, and you, and you can be honest. I mean, there's only the three of us talking, and you know, a thousand people listening. <laughs> who is more of a headache in your life, me or Oscar? Because I'm your Mount Sinai headache, but but you're with Oscar a lot more. He's in your private practice. Like, who be honest? Who's more of a headache? Both like, headaches. This is for both guys. I love <laughs> this. Easy. So,
1: Oscar, my headache is. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure both of you guys are happy. Okay. But this guy, I really like. I walk in, I'm like, is he happy
0: today? Is he okay? <laughs> is what do I
1: have to do? And 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 Wendell, I just want to make sure. I need him as part of our team at Sinai. Like our team's a dynamic team. Everyone's bringing something to the table. And I, and our and resources are limited. And I just want to make sure that. So neither of you are. Really, and you're both happy. Really, it's <laughs> easy.
0: It's
4: Wendell. No, oh, really?
0: <laughs> Don't no, you don't have to sugarcoat it? Eh? No, no. We've had every guest come on here and rip me apart. For honestly, once. for once, we can make fun yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But that's not on this mm-hmm. one. It's for sure. <laughs> and, and on that line, I mean, whose text do you ignore more, Oscar's or mine? Because we know you ignore both of us. But like, who is the one you, you look at your phone I'm and you're so like, oh god, biased. what's this going to be? And,
2: and honestly, let's preface that
0: he is the
1: worst at texting stuff. I'm the yeah. worst. Very yeah. bad. And by the way, if any of my friends outside of this profession are listening listen that. to this, they're going to all be laughing and shaking their heads right now saying he's the worst. I just have an issue. And I keep saying, you know, today's the day. Today's day we're one. We're going to change. I'm going to start responding to every text I get as soon as I get but it. The,
2: the problem is also, we. so we we were sitting here before we started recording. Yeah. How many calls did he take? Like seven. Seven. So the fact is, <laughs> there's just too many calls for
0: him to even answer back. Like, it's crazy. Well, I and I think we've told this story on a previous episode. I don't know if you listened to this, but I told Oscar that when I was first moving back to Toronto, you're trying to figure out, yeah, what do you want to do? Private practice. I, obviously, I like academics too. I like... You know, hospital. So then he's telling me, I was like, "What's the program like? Who's involved? Who's at Mount Sinai?" So he's telling me about you, and I, obviously I met you before, but I don't really know about you. Yeah. So he set up a call between us to talk about Sinai. What day you're available? How does OR <laughs> time work? And I remember like I, I emailed you or something saying like, "Oh, these are my questions," or, or, or "How would this day work?" And like you didn't respond for like six days. So I'm messaging Austin, I'm like, "Yo, this guy hates yeah, me," or good. "Or it's over." <laughs> and Austin's so like, <laughs> I was like, don't worry about it."
1: And, <laughs> you're gonna like, <laughs> return at three, three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> <and don't laughs>
0: He said at 3am, you'll get a response like 14 <laughs> days later and he'll agree to everything you said and half of it will have already occurred, but you're, you're good. I'm like, you're going to love him. That's it. But like, it yeah. took me a while to adapt to just getting like ghosted by you all the time. But I'll just said, that's your style. And it's because you're so, so busy. The cl- so if my wife was down
1: here <laughs> chiming in right now, she would. So yesterday she said, when I text you this time, <laughs> respond. So it's not just you yeah, guys, yeah, it's yeah. everyone in my life. Yeah. And and I promise anyone listening, you send me an email or a text, within 28 days, you're
0: going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a month cutoff. Yeah. It's a four-week cutoff. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Now, we talked about you know your role at Sinai. We talked about your role at Crescent. But now that you're a partner at Crescent, we want to focus on yeah. two aspects of you. I mean, Oscar ripped on me for calling this private academics. But I really think it's co- you. You are He's the embodiment of, yes. of this. Yeah. Like, private practice academics. And not... Like for example, someone like me, I own a private practice, and I'm an academic, but I'm a part-time academic person. You he's not are Partner in a private practice, but you're like head of a hospital. Like it's it's not just you're there and you you you, know, yeah. you show up. So we want to we want to kind of divide this into two phases, where one phase is the private side, one side is your hospital academic side. So starting off the private side with Crescent, what is your current scope there and of the practice, and what are your responsibilities? So it's i'll preface this all by saying that i think that
1: and I, i'm not saying this to say it's it's a great thing or a good thing i think it's unique i don't know that in 2023 mm-hmm. that someone can maybe but some i don't know that someone can carve out this the kind of mix that i have it'd and be, i think had, exhausting well i think had i started it now i don't think i'd have partners in practice yes or people at the hospital who would allow me to do yeah. it yeah. But one thing I've got to say is Caminiti and Rainish, every time this, there was a decision at the hospital, because remember, when I first started, I was 80% private practice, okay. 20% hospital. And then something would come up and it would be like, you know, Dr. Baker's offering me a day of OR a month. And Rainish and Caminiti, without hesitation, would say, take it, up. take mm-hmm. it. And then it would be, you know, I have the opportunity to have another half day clinic a month. Take it. Wow. Hmm. and then it was you know i have the opportunity to become division head there and i'd always speak to them and i'd say guys like this is going to take me yeah,
2: yeah. out a of it
1: out of private practice a bit. and th- anytime one of these situations came up there was zero hesitation wow. and, and i think i really have to thank and i do thank both of them all the time because i think without them and there's certain situations and certain practices where the the answer wouldn't have been take. No way. I no. right now, when you're describing this right now, no one would accept right? it this. It yeah. would have right been, now. you can't take it. Yeah. 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 So without them, this wouldn't have happened. And now I'm probably like, it's got to be like a 40, 60% split and sometimes 50 50. Like there's some, week, yeah. this week, for example, I'm at, I was at Sinai today in clinic. I have an OR day tomorrow and then I have three days at Crescent. Mm-hmm. Some weeks I'll have three days yeah. at Sinai, two days at Crescent. It, it's probably 40 60 between hospital private practice. Yeah. And I'm not sure that this that a situation can be created like this again. I hope it could because it's been fantastic for me
0: mm-hmm. and I feel very fortunate. But uh, especially, I think what's also unique is you grew up with this. Whereas most people, what would happen is they'd be, let's say, 40s a week of private practice and one day. So, like an 80 20 split. And then when they're ready to slow down in private practice, when they're like near the end of their career, then they start taking more academic right. stuff. So kind of like, the pro- like a community. Like a yeah. yeah. But then like the transition. problem with that sometimes is that you don't have that balance growing up. So you're not really like you've been in the hospital and your private office for decades now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're growing up in both it's systems. It's seamless. Where usually someone's in one and they and it's like a kind of it's quick like switch. Right. You, you switch to the other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think, so the hat I wear at Crescent now initially was one of four partners because it was eddie marco me and then peter julis marco shifted off to -hmm. to academia and at the same time and many of you i think listening probably are aware of it we sold our practice 75 percent of our practice to dental Mm corp and just after pandemic started after a lengthy negotiation that started two years before pandemic started so are we still partners? The, the you know, Peter, Eddie and myself, yes. And we have Chris Lee and Amir Far who were associates, but just ahead of this transaction became yeah. partners. And now there's five of us that are actual equity partners in the practice who sold 75% of it to, to Dental Corp. But we still, and I know there's many of you out there who are going, I can't believe you guys did this. <laughs> and I will tell you, and I, I tell this to to we talk about it at our partners meetings monthly Oscar knows this when people ask how have things changed since this sale happened I will tell you that the headaches that we had prior to selling to dental corp still exist Mm. there are no more headaches there are no less headaches everything's essentially we are still running our practice as though it's ours and there's really zero interference from the corporate world and 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 in that vein we still have You're the same decisions. we still have the same responsibilities yeah. in mm-hmm. our practice. So m- m- my responsibilities in the practice, I help Eddie Rainish with some of the human resources pieces. I do a fair bit of liaising with Dental Corp and Dental Corp didn't know much about mm-hmm. the oral and maxillofacial surgery space. We're teaching them. And, and and it may be that there's no other practices that sell them. that's okay, and there may be others that do sell and if they do they'll know a little bit more about our about our space from us but those are the big pieces that i have in you know as far as the private practice responsibilities yeah mm-hmm. and they keep me busy and then um, scope
2: wise in the private practice part it's pretty much everything everything you do everything both of every, you guys do in private practice mm-hmm. right and more but and so so scope completely everything in the private practice, and then you take everything else that you need to to the hospital. But so you were talking about kind of helping Eddie with some of the responsibilities. So you've been a partner for a while now, and you've learned a lot with regards to practice management. What do you see as the pros and cons, especially with having Wendell here, of having comparing a group practice to a solo practice?
1: I think both are great. I think that headaches can be shared in a group practice versus a solo practice. Mm-hmm. I think solo practice is a lot of things that fall on your shoulders. Yeah you may not have others like I have four great partners mm-hmm. yeah. who pick up the slack. We pick up the slack for each other. Mm-hmm. I was away last week. I didn't think about yeah. my patients. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought about my patients, <laughs> but I wasn't but yeah, worried. Yeah. Oscar, yeah. you saw a few yeah. of my patients yeah. for follow I wasn't worried about my patients. Yeah. I wasn't worried about, you know, the runnings of the practice. Mm-hmm. And if there was an issue that came up, with a staff member or procurement or whatever it might be, I knew it would be taken care of. I think, and Wendell, you can probably touch on this and, mm-hmm. and Brad, I mean, as solo practitioners, there are some advantages to that too, because it's, you, make you know, the call. yeah. When there's five people making a decision, mm-hmm. it can be very hard. Yeah. You can make a decision, and that's the decision that's, that's yeah. made. And you, know,
0: it's you you ride or die your decisions, and your decisions are made one day, and it's implemented the next day. Yeah, right. be it's wrong lot, when you make them, but to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but to, to compare and contrast, when I'm away on vacation, I am worried about my yes. phone or an email or you know. I remember my first vacation. I think we went to New Brunswick or something for a week and spent the entire week every day responding to at least yeah. like ten emails about yeah. something or a patient or emergency. I think especially if you don't have a good network of people. So I didn't have. I have a, a huge network of residents and people in academics. I don't, graduating, I don't have a huge network of people that own offices yeah. or run offices. Yeah. So I, and I just give you credit. I mean, I remember my first month, I, I called you, you called me back, you know, seven days later when you were driving home, but you, you still <laughs> call me back. And I literally actually said, Brian, I don't understand how to hire someone. Yeah, Can you explain that, to no. me like how I hire someone? How do I figure out how much to pay them? What is a raise? What's appropriate? What's the market right now? And you, I, I even told Austin, yeah. you literally said, you know, well, first of all, you talked me through you explained everything. And then you said, tonight, I will send you an email with our practice documents. Here's what we give. Yeah. Here's our contracts. Here's our, like everything. And so, Austin, this guy's just like, give me, he's like, yeah, that's the it's a that So if you don't have that network of people that are in a similar state or, or more advanced, it's really difficult. Now, as you said, there are huge advantages to the solo side. Autonomy. Set your own, do whatever you want. Set your practice. Scope, everything's just yeah. whatever you want. It's on you. you know, fewer staff, so fewer headaches to manage. Because there's, you know, I have five people in the Staff's office. Staff's the each day. Part. That's I our Eight people total. Yeah. yeah. Right? You guys probably have about 60, 80. I don't even know yeah. how many people 85, you I mean? 85. You have 85 people that could get sick. 85 people with kid yeah. and child needs. Like yeah. Big. 85 people dishes.
1: And, eight. and Oscar will tell you, they all... They all have issues. Yeah, good <laughs> no, or bad. I love them all. Yeah. But you know what's interesting is, and I think we as a profession need to, and I think we have done it. Unlike maybe you know generations before us, I think we need to work together. So I think there needs to be more collegiality, yes. and I think there is for sure. I yeah. see it. Yeah. I see it within oral and maxillofacial surgery. We see it at the hospital, mm-hmm. within other divisions where historically. Yeah. There was a lot of turf protection. Yeah. Was, we've, you know, we strived at some, one of my goals at Mount Sinai was
0: to build bridges. Yes. Yeah. And I think we've done it. Well, I, I tell Oscar, you know, coming from McGill, coming from the States, I'm shocked at the collegiality. I'm still waiting for like the shoe to drop and someone to stab me in the back. or yeah, realize this yeah. was all a mirage. That you know, was happening, yeah. Yeah, yeah because yeah. I'm able to call people about OR questions. i be able to call people. I had a, you know, I did a, a total joint case with Sukha, as you know, you give us the OR mm-hmm. in January. So we did that together. And then I had another patient prior practice, and I mean, Dave's in Hawaii, and I sent him an email, and he responded to me yeah. the next day with, like, how he'd manage the patient, yeah. what I should do, like, and, you know, it's just, it's great collegiality between us, and I think that's one of the good things about having a group. Like, for me being in solo practice, if I didn't have the Mount Sinai team that we yes. have, if I didn't have the faculty team that I have, I'd be so lonely, and I'd be on an island. Yeah. So, I think. You, you know, know me? Well, the problem—the problem, <laughs> problem is with you—is you respond to my message right away, but it's usually it has no experience, no wisdom behind it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, thanks, Oscar, but I mean, is this the correct this, thing? Or is this is this,
2: this coming from the guy that sends me probably thirty texts a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I, no, I, but you do need that support system when yeah. you're on your own, for
1: sure. And in all seriousness, I think we, as a specialty and as a profession, we need to keep doing it. And I know that you know Rob Wagner reached out to me and Clayton Davis a couple of months ago. And looking forward to the Canadian meeting in 2024, mm-hmm. which will be in Saskatchewan. Oh, breaking news! Um, oh, there we go. Breaking That's news! Breaking I hope I'm not getting in trouble for yeah, this. Breaking news! And the theme of that meeting is building bridges. And I'm like, Rob, yeah. you came to the right guy, yeah, because I really think that within our specialty and outside of our specialty, we need to be we need to continue on this trend of building bridges with our medical colleagues, with our dental colleagues, as opposed to, you know, historically, there were always like, in a little box, yeah, borders put up and roadblocks put up and we do this and you do that. And when I joined Mount Sinai, there was very little, you know, collegiality shouldn't be the word because everyone's collegial. But but co management of yes. cases and yeah. you know what collaboration collaboration yeah. like what Carl Cuddy's doing with with the ENT group at, mm-hmm. uh, the head and neck surgeons at Sinai yeah. and I know this goes on around the country I think it's fantastic and I think building bridges is key yeah. mm-hmm. and and that way you know our medical colleagues learn that that while we're dentally trained we know we're not, what we're, we're doing. not dentists yeah. mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we've done a lot. And many of you have done more than, than a four. I mean, you, Wendell, yep. you did a six-year residency. I mean, Oscar and I did fantastic four-year residencies. But, but people are really well-trained now. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to, to kind of let our medical community, the public, know mm-hmm. that we're all working together.
0: Yeah, when the right. orthopedic surgeons walk in the room and they see our total joint plans on the wall, and they're like, wait. Right, you, yeah. You guys are well, doing orthopedic our surgery. Chief of surgery. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jay
1: Wonder, our chief of surgery, yeah. he's so hilarious. He'll pop into, I yeah. don't know if he's coming to Europe. He'll yeah. pop into my room. He's like, Brian, what are you doing? And I'll look at him and I'll say, you know those joints you work on? I yeah. said, <laughs> I point at the TMJ. I'm like, this is an
0: orthopedic joint also. Yeah. Right? yeah. This is not a surgery. And yeah. he's like, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Let <laughs> <Everybody> me <laughs> see what you guys are doing. Yeah. So I, I think. And every time a new nurse sees orthopedic surgery for, his, for the first yeah. time, and they see the class three, go to class one, they're just like, or they see, a, they see a down fracture. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, what do so we just see? What's the danger happening right now? We all have to keep, I think we, the one of our messages, we all have to keep, you know, pushing that mm-hmm. message out there that, that we're part of it. And I actually saw, I'm not a big Instagram person, but I actually saw the post that came out, I think yesterday from COMS, you were on it, Graham Cobb was oh, on nice. it. And I think those messages are important for the public, for our medical colleagues to
0: really. Yeah, I don't. I don't have Instagram doing. either, so hopefully. It was but you're flattered. on it. Hopefully How it do you fl- not have Instagram? Uh, hopefully, oh, hopefully it was I'm, right right. Right. I'm looking at it, right on I'm on it right. all the time. <laughs> I'm right <laughs> like, I
1: see him at the office. What um, are you doing, Austin? You, told me you your I'm just it. surfing I did, Instagram. I, I deleted
2: it, but then I had to re-add it when it's my
1: anniversary at the post, relax. Oh,
2: wow.
0: Yeah, I was being a nice husband. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to let that one slide. Hey. I'm not going to talk about that. I have, a, I have a personal question for you, Brian. Yeah. So when I'm in the private office and I'm looking at my schedule for the day, you know, you see your procedures, you see follow-ups. And then, you know, I don't know if you have a color code, you have something, you see, you know, for follow-up mm-hmm. or emergency visit or whatever. And sometimes I'll see a name under follow-up and it's a, it's a person that I know, like this isn't a scheduled follow-up. Like their surgery was done. Like why are they coming today? Must be something's wrong. And or your heart starts going right? And, and, I you, yeah. really and I get really nervous. And I start thinking like, what is the worst that could have happened? And why are they coming? And sometimes you walk in a room and whatever, it could be infection, like, it could be anything, right? And sometimes it's like nothing. Like they, they thought of something, they just want And I love when I hear them That's say, like, I'm the fine best now, now that but is I just want to get it checked out because yeah. you know it's fine. Yeah. But I get nervous Every yes. single time. And I want to know, when does that stop? Is that, a good, does that go way? Like, am I going to suffer like this my whole life? Zero. It never it goes never goes away. does, eh? Oh, my God. So, I met
1: Oscar will tell you, I'm a big schedule looker. So, yes. I'll look ahead. So, I was away last week on a ski trip with my buddies. And I know the ski trip's coming to an end. It's Thursday, Friday. <laughs> We're coming home Saturday. So, I think Thursday went on my schedule for this week. I saw some names in the, f- exactly what yeah. you said. Why are they coming to see me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You go and you look at the notes and what is the worst, sometimes your nurses yeah. won't put any clinical notes yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I'll text, I'll email them. <laughs> Why is this patient coming to see yeah. me? So that, I would say the short answer is it never goes okay. away. Okay. But the good news is, is that you're, you're always willing. To, and we tell all of our patients, if there's ever an issue, come see me. Mm-hmm. Right, you know what my pet peeve sometimes with our after you know what I'm saying? You know, when
2: they write on sometimes, it, like you can hover over the name and it'll say <laughs> the blurb, yeah. When they just write in capitals and it's something like a that makes you really, <laughs> your yeah, like really I'm like, he like, like, just 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 uncap locks it, so right. it like just like <laughs> make me feel better about the follow up, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. So, I, I think we talked about this before kind of the difference that it was, let's say, 10 15 years ago to where we are, maybe now, this new generation is. What do you see as the pros and cons of being an associate versus buying in, being a partner?
1: Again, I think if you look at it through the lens of when I finished training versus the lens now, I think it's very different. I think the the benefits or the pros of being an associate is you have, you don't have the responsibility of ownership and Wendell can talk about what that's like as a new grad. Mm -hmm. You, so you're because we all make mistakes and your mistakes you know they're at a certain level when you're an owner your mistakes are at a whole other level Mm -hmm. and your mistakes can involve not only patient related things but human resources business decisions you as an associate can focus on the patients you really now oscar you do take a role in our practice whereby you do in some areas act as a bit of a partner right so you have some responsibility and we love that, mm-hmm. but that's not, that's unique, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would say for the most part, associates can come and they show up at eight in the morning, yeah. they do their work, yep. they focus on the patients, you they may have problems, which are patient specific problems, yeah. they go home at the end of the day Yeah, and they don't have to worry about the business workings of a practice.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: The flip side is as an associate... You can't guide the course of a practice the way that you might want to. And lots of people have a lot of amazing ideas and things to add to a practice that maybe you can't do as an associate. Now, depending on the group. I was about to say that that's also
2: depending on where you work. Right. Mm -hmm. You guys give me pretty complete autonomy on on how I want to run my days on stuff like that, on the way I want to run my sedations the way I want to schedule my patients. Like I've never felt any resistance in that
1: sense. And and I would, the message I would say to anyone bringing on an associate is, and I remember Eddie and Marco said this to me the day I came, they said, treat this place like you own Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. we will treat you like an owner. And I think associate chips will work well. If you're an owner, bring an associate on, if you follow that kind of mantra and that ideology and, you treat the person like an owner, you expect them to treat the practice For as sure. though they're an owner, sure. right? And if that can be done, it's a perfect, that's like utopian, yeah. right? It's hard yeah. to do as an owner though sometimes. And and you watch associates maybe make mistakes and you cringe yeah. and you know, But but I think those that are in a situation where they feel like an owner, they're probably going to want to be an owner one day. Yeah. And that's what we all want. Is this continuity, which will kind of you know help keep a practice alive and move it from progression, right? Like at some point, it has to be passed on. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I I think now, listen, there are some associates I think now that have no interest in ownership, but I think you still need to treat them like they own it. Right. So they don't have a financial commitment. That's fine. As long
2: as, like you said, though, as long as they're treating the practice like they're an owner, too, right? Like they're invested. In, if it's someone who you can tell just doesn't care at all, mm-hmm. it's hard to treat them as an owner or to look at them as an owner. If they're just coming to make money and they're leaving your practice, like yeah. you want them to care about your staff. You want them to. You don't want to leech. Yeah, like exactly. Like you, you want them to want to care about your staff, but too to help maybe fund another way to find that grow the practice. Right. Like they have to be involved as well.
0: Yeah, I can't just leech off of you. Yeah, yeah. Now, sure. when, now, when it comes to your partnership and, and, and just one of these questions that constantly gets asked about partnerships and group practices, what is the difference between a profit-sharing partnership and a cost-sharing partnership, and which do you prefer? Or maybe you can highlight the pros and cons and what people should consider.
1: I think some of these are really can be discussed at the level of an accountant kind of mm-hmm. expertise, right? So. I think our situation was never a cost-sharing situation, and at one point in time, the CRA, the tax laws, allowed each partner in a practice to exercise a small business exemption, right? And then the laws changed with our new government years ago. We're not going to talk. about Yeah, we're not, yeah, no, yeah, not, 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 not going to get in on that. But, yeah. Or my wife might come down and start yelling at me. But <laughs> but in any ways, things changed. And so what a lot of practices did that were not cost-sharing practices. So for those of you who don't know, cost-sharing means you might have two or three partners, but you're really each an islander yeah. or, or an independent entity working under the same roof. And you split costs, which might be staffing costs rent um, disposables rent mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that and each practice might do their disposables or consumables differently so for example if the three of us were partners and oscar you placed or you used a ton of local anesthetic and wendell you don't like giving local anesthetic and i <laughs> like giving a bit we'd each pay different yeah. amounts yeah. different cost sharing models that are used but from a cra standpoint one i mean you guys may bring an accountant on at one point to, to do this podcast There are advantages to that because each person in the practice can exercise this small, Mm -hmm. I think, and I'm going to preface this with, I'm not an accountant, Mm -hmm. but one reason why a lot of practices went to cost share was that each partner could exercise this small business. Their own corporation, their own, okay. Right? Here's the downside to that as I see it. And our practice never went to that. We were always an all for one, one for all. We just split, you know, we were the, the partner's. All took a draw, a yeah. percentage of what they they earned and shared profits and whatnot mm-hmm. evenly. Mm-hmm. So the the advantage, the disadvantage to that is you only get one small business exemption for the two, three, four, five, however mm-hmm. many partners there are. But the advantage is everyone feels kind of like they have an equal say in what's going on in the practice.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think either one's right. Wrong. But even your profit share model is a unique one like it's not because there's other ones where it's literally add up everything subtract Completely expenses communism. expenses divide by five partners yeah, right. so you and all your partners have the exact same income So I'll give
1: you an I'll, I'll tell you why in our practice it works and why in many practices it might work you have 3 4 or 5 partners everyone can take out wisdom teeth everyone can put in implants some people might might manage, TMG. for example, pathology, which mm-hmm. doesn't really doesn't not, pay. Doesn't yeah, pay, doesn't pay. pay well. Doesn't pay well yeah. Some people might manage facial pain, TMD, yeah, which pay well. doesn't pay well. Occupies a ton of time. And He's in our referrals, happy. So that, and that's the thing in our practice, is we look at our referral base as a whole, not as Oscar as referrals, mm-hmm. Rittenberg as referrals, Rainish, Julius, and all, you know, Musavi Farley. We look at it as a whole, and, and we know that if I'm Taking care of our TMJ facial pain patients, it's keeping our referrals happy. Yep. They're mm-hmm. going to keep sending patients. Yeah, and so I shouldn't get penalized for being the the you know the lowest producer in our practice. When you're seeing as long, as we're, working, as, yeah. long yeah. as we're all working, as long as we're all working, four or five days a week, yeah. seeing the same volume mm-hmm. of patients, and that's why I think our model's good because it it takes care of the people doing takes care of everyone. Yeah, the people who are you know, doing you know, super high earnings, super high, high earning procedures. They're gonna get, yeah, they're yeah. gonna get their share of the pie. Yeah. But people doing a bit of that and a bit of some of the other stuff, they're still getting their piece yeah. of the pie. And
0: everyone tends to be happy. Yeah. Otherwise, those patients would be and No one would
1: do the pathology. Yeah. And, the and you'd lose the referral because yeah, the referral yes. would say, you know what, well, that practice down the street is willing to see my tmj yeah. facial pain or pathology patient am i I going to just send them all of them i'm going to send them the, my yeah. implants and my wisdom they did, teeth they did so great yeah.
0: with that facial pain console that i couldn't figure out myself exactly and the patient loves them now yeah and they had a great experience maybe they're just as good at extraction and, 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 and like you said most us would be like most oral surgeons could take out wisdom
2: teeth. yeah so if they can do my yeah. facial pain they can take out my wisdom teeth. Yeah. yeah yeah but so kind of we talked about associateships and people graduating so like a lot of times Right now we're in what? We're in February. Yeah. People start to think, where am I going to work next? <laughs> Very right? timely. And, and it's and it's nerve wracking because you're studying for your boards. And then this is where you're really going to go into the real world for the first time. Probably in most of our lives. We were in school for our whole life. So this is the first time. So you want to practice, you're a partner. What advice could you give to a new grad who's looking for an associate? And what do you look for in residents who are looking for associate positions?
1: So the advice I'd, I would give to a new grad looking for an associateship is trust your gut right? and, and this is what i did also right and i think you it's kind of like you know where you decide to live don't don't live where you want to work what's the saying don't live where you want to work work where you want to live yeah, yeah right yeah because if you live where you want to work you might be miserable living there yeah and you've got other people in your house sometimes it might be a partner or whatever yeah Sometimes, it, you know, it might ultimately be kids. who might not be happy living in that place where you're working. Mm-hmm. So so that's number one. Mm-hmm. And by the same token, trust your gut. Meet lots of people. There are a lot. There. I will tell you guys now, there are tons of practices
0: across the country who would love to have a social. Tons. A uh, high-quality associate. There's tons of people looking at it. So get your name out there. And different <laughs> options, too, like, more hospital-based, no yeah. OR time, OR time. Combination, like <laughs> small group, yeah. solo group. Small town. A small 15. town, urban, big group. like Whatever there's you're looking tons for. Tons of
1: options. Meet the people. So first of all, as I said, pick where you want to live. Yeah. Right? And and that might not be one place. You might be like, I'm really outdoorsy. I want to be in a place where I can yeah. ride my Maybe bike, a West. Go for a run, yeah. go ski. Do- mm. So there's lots of places to do that. So pick where you want to live scout out the practices there, get your name out there. And then the next phase in, in that is meet the people and get to know the people, you know, not just at a professional level, but try and get to know them on a personal level and trust your gut and understand that you might make a mistake and Mm -hmm. you can, you're not necessarily bound. There's lots of covenants and things. Covenants Mm -hmm. exist for a 10 kilometer radius. Really not much more than that. So you make a mistake you change. Yeah. Yeah. But if you trust your gut and you, you know, you, you work where you want to live and you pick a group that feels that you right to you, you're probably not going to leave them. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So that would be my advice to a new grad. Yeah. For sure. To people looking for associates. Send us an email. Would be get, get, <laughs> get, get your name out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, advertise that you're looking yeah. first of all in multiple places and be It's open- harder when
2: you're also not from the city, right?
1: Yeah. Like it's easier when you
2: are from the city. Like if you're, you go to school in Toronto and you want to live in Toronto, it's easier. You've built connections during your residency. Yeah. If you are from Toronto, you want to come back to Toronto, but you went to school in the States, you don't know as many
1: people. But yeah. we've had, we've had lots of people reach out to us from the States. Yeah. From yeah. places across Canada. Yeah, we're travels. Yeah, to, especially so, when you're a bigger practice too.
0: Yeah, and me and I would say involved to, in academia, they see your name, they've heard yeah. of your name before. Even for us, like being part of this podcast, I've had people reach out. Like, yeah, well, you get your name out there in certain ways, and it it generates kind of buzz yeah. and 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 people know about
1: you. Yeah, and I would say that to to people with practices out there is if you're looking for an associate, make it known that you're looking, and be open to meet the people. Yeah, meet them whether it's virtually. Mm-hmm. We love to meet people in person. It is nice get to know them inside your practice and outside your mm-hmm. practice a little bit and then again like trusting your gut like this person seems to be yeah. a good person i think it's important you know to make sure they're well trained yeah but don't don't kid yourself that people are coming out of a residency no. operating at the level that any of the three of us yeah. are operating at yeah. it takes time it takes and we time. were all there yeah. Yeah, for and, sure. And do, and that's the other advice I'd give to owners of practices looking for associates: don't get down on new yes, associates yeah, yeah. joining your practice. You, we There's were, a learning curve. We were all there once. Yeah, all we may course. forget it. Yeah. we're still there.
0: We're still there. <laughs> I yeah, know, we, with you. Too. No, we I mess, it. I, we with mess, mess with people too. all hey, the time. Hey, in I mean,
2: private practice, like yeah, you're still it, learning and account.
0: it's different doing it in residency. I mean, just last it you was know, last week. I did my first bilateral total joint case, like uh, by myself as a staff. Like you're running it, Welcome like you're making to Mount Sinai, buddy. Uh, no, I know. Well, I told <laughs> Oscar, I'm officially part of the TMJ Center for Excellence now. But it's like you are. It's different when you're the <laughs> chief doing those cases, and you know the yeah. staff's watching you. Yeah. Last time in January, Doctor Sifka was, was there. I had Sifka there. It's yeah. like I had no stress. I was like, whatever. Next what, time. I was like, what could go yeah, wrong? Yeah. But this like guy's guy guy. here. Like I have the yeah. number one guy here. This time it was just me and the residents. I'm thinking, wow, I'm literally, I'm running the ship. I'm guiding us where we're gonna go. Yeah. Yep. So it, it was, but uh, it went well. It went, it went yep, very and well, but it was, and it was a stressful experience, but it's a good experience. It's a learning experience. And as you said, that's me for a big bilateral total joint case. But we were all there for wisdom teeth implants, yes, on ground, everything. Yeah.
1: And we forget it. I forget it as an owner of a practice. God, this guy here, Oscar, man. I was pulling my hair out. I'm just yeah. yeah, Yeah. He's he's not lying. I am lying. What am I I doing here? I'm joking. How do I take (laughs) out the central? (laughs) But like like we all need to be patient, and we all need to teach. Like these Mm -hmm. new grads coming out joining our practice, you want them to love your practice and treat it like their own. You need to to give them opportunity. Treat them with collegiality. Teach them. Let them make mistakes. Support their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And you know who else needs to give an opportunity? Because
2: and this is a, maybe a little bit more in a group practice is the staff, right? Because the staff sometimes get get used to a- five partners who are really talented, very top of the food chain surgeons. Then a new person comes in and they're getting almost prejudged. But it's like that person just came out. Like you guys, you got to give them a chance. Yeah. And our 100%. Staff sometimes, and I
1: put... Listen, our, our, I love are, our, staff, but. our, our practice is a little unique in yeah. that there's so many staff, but it, but it'll happen with you when you take an associate. For sure. Your Wendell, your nurses, your assistants are going to say, you. this yeah. is the way it's supposed to be done. Then this new person's going to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to, and they're going to come to you and go, he mm, did this and yeah. he did that. And what I tell our nurse and our assistants is, cut slack and stop unless yeah, you th- yeah. see something is it safe blatantly unsafe going on yeah i really don't want to hear about it okay nice. because we we meet and you want to engage with your associates and mm-hmm. covid screwed it up a bit but mm-hmm. pre-covid we used to meet remember we used yeah. to have those sessions once a month yeah every We present cases oh, and it was nice. great Oscar would bring a case, we'd bring a case, we'd talk about it. We're trying to reinstitute that. Yeah. It's a great thing for practice with young associates to do, mm-hmm. to keep learning. But yeah, you tell Oscar, you're right. You got to tell your staff, cut these people yeah. some slack because yeah. one day, five years from now, another associate's going to come right. in and suddenly Oscar's the guy. They're yeah. going to say,
0: But Oscar does it this yeah, way. Yeah, Why yeah, aren't you yeah. doing it that yeah, way? Yeah, for sure. So here's a pop question Do you remember what food you bought me when I interviewed with you?
1: we were at the office in richmond hill
0: where did we order from oscar help me out i wasn't there why weren't you there there? conflict of interest this guy can't be there i was taking his spot i was interviewing for his job
1: i remember did we order it from in the mall no we ordered uber eats
0: uber eats did we order give me a hint it's really hard to eat and it has a lot of water Water Oh, ramen ramen we ordered ramen (laughs) this guy orders ramen for me which was awesome but like but that's try hard. doing no. Try doing an interview while eating ramen.
1: My wife and I went to a it's great impossible. ramen place Saturday night
2: it's in Toronto.
1: Ishim. I haven't heard of it. You know where Quetzal is on yeah, College yeah. Street? Yeah. Have, so you, been Quetzal, to K- it, have it, you been Quetzal? One of our. Have you been So, is, well, how do you pronounce Kitsa. it? Quetzal. You. <laughs> have you been there? No, but I'm going. It's good. It's good. I'm going your recommendation there in the March. In March. Restaurant recommendation. With get this, one of my buddies who was on my ski trip last yep. week. One of my oldest friends, so he grew up three doors away from me. Another lawyer. I'm just friends with lawyers and accountants. That's smart, though. That's and smart. And you guys. That's right? smart, yeah. So so literally, this was at a time in Toronto where we all lived with our doors open. He would just show up at my house sometimes. I'm like, Dave, what are you doing here? Like, and I'd show up at his house. Anyways, he was on it. I went to summer camp with him also. We have a really core group of friends from camp who we don't see each other for years. But, but every we do, once in a while, we, like we go so we were on the ski trip last week and we emailed our core group of friends and we said dinner, March. We all picked a date and I booked that restaurant. It's good. Say it. Kitsal. Kitsal. And it's, and it's honestly, it's really good. So right that. next door to Kitzel yeah, is Isham, which is not a Michelin starred restaurant. But it was good. But it was fantastic. So mm-hmm. anyone coming to Toronto, really good ramen. There.
2: I will say Toronto food scene. Awesome. I can't complain.
0: One of the well, things you, want- know, you got ramen.
2: Yeah, so I got so ramen. Where did we get the you, ramen can, hold, on. Thought, no, listen, listen, hold on, I don't even know. No, listen, listen. I got blue blood,
0: so I don't yeah. think you're replacing
2: anybody. Yeah, I know. He's
0: saying like a blue blood steakhouse, so I got ramen.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: So we, we know who they really want. Yeah, I was I say, we know what's going on there. I was the uh, I was the Rooney Rule interview. Are we allowed, yeah. to, say that? <laughs> <laughs> are we allowed to say that on the podcast? <laughs> I was, since we're all football fans, that was a Rooney Rule interview. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Those who know, know. Exactly, those who know. Well, we always like to do a resume reminder. Whenever we have a guest on, we like to involve the guest. This one we're kind of throwing on you because we actually – didn't really plan this in advance, but this is something you're very familiar with, which is the levels of arthroscopy. And what we wanted to talk to you about is you're someone that does a lot of arthroscopy. You know, we're going to be switching to the hospital sign soon, but for the residents, you know, there's always classically taught there's three levels of arthroscopy. So for you when you're teaching the residents or when you're doing these cases, you know, what levels do you do? What are you doing with the residents? And how would you explain to a junior resident what the three levels of arthroscopy are? It's a fantastic question. So, you know, I was, again, like the,
1: those who trained me in arthroscopy, Simon Weinberg, who's a legend, and and many of you won't know Simon, but many of you hopefully listening to this know, Simon, mm-hmm. know who Simon was and love Simon Weinberg. He was, I would say, the first Canadian oral maxillofacial surgeon who was on the map outside of this country. Wow. Mm, people knew him. He was buddies with Danny Laskin. He was he was a, he yeah, was yeah. He the was a man, guy. right? And, and Simon was a good guy. I don't know, I'm digressing a little bit, but Simon was a guy, he could, he could quote journal articles, volume, wow. issue, paragraph, line.
0: Wow. Wow!
1: From anything you'd ask him, you'd say, there was an article written like in 19, the 1960s. He'd be, oh, I remember that article. Mm-hmm. And he would tell you, and you'd be, you go look at it, he'd be, oh my God. He nah, was like, crazy. that was the page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Simon was a TMJ surgeon kind of guru, and he and Dr. Bowden Kraszalski, they were like, wine- so they did a ton of level two arthroscopy. We'll talk about the levels in a minute. I'll review them. But level two, ar- we may as well do that now. <laughs> yeah. Level one arthroscopy, one cannula, one port for your arthroscope, and one outflow port, which is typically a you know mm-hmm. an 1820 or 22-gauge needle right? Mm-hmm. So what can you do with level one arthroscopy? You can do a diagnostic sweep of the joint. So, you know, kind of correlate findings, what you're seeing inside the joint with your clinical findings, with MRI findings. Through that, you can do blind lysis and lavage. So under with your scope out, you can put blunt trocars in your arthroscopic cannula and you can break down adhesions. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. You can break down <laughs> adhesions Within a joint, you can stretch the joint capsule out. And that's the lysis portion of it. And you can do a lavage. You can flush the joint mm-hmm. out. And for those who are in the know, in the arthroscopic, arthroscopic literature, most people will tell you that that's the We're guts good. of arthroscopy. That alone mm-hmm. will provide the therapeutic benefit that we see in arthroscopy. Right? Mm-hmm. And the big piece of that probably is the lavage, the flushing of a yeah. joint. And for those who don't do arthroscopy, I can put two needles in a joint. Arthrosynthesis, probably just as good without the diagnostic suite. Mm -hmm. That's level one. Level two involves a second surgical port or cannula being placed in the anterior recess or pouch of the joint. And through that, you can do some operative work. So what can you do? You can break down adhesions. But visualizing them under direct vision. Now so you It's scope not a blind. Go through one cannula. And you yeah. have your operating port that you can look at, and so that historically, when I trained, Simon Weinberg was the first port guy, and Doctor Bo Kraszalski was the second port guy. And Weinberg would say, "Doc, Bo's the best second port guy in the country and in the world." And these guys were unreal. Like so, so hold Simon, on. were they doing it together? Yeah, so oh. they operated together. So Weinberg, and when you were a resident, he would get, get you up to the point where you would get the scope. Yeah. You, would, mm-hmm. you would do your insufflation. You'd be able to put your oper- your arthroscopic cannula in. And at that point, he would take over. And yeah. if you couldn't get it in, he'd make it easy and he'd get it in. Mm-hmm. He would do the diagnostic sweep. And then Kerstalski, on the other side of the patient, no would, put, would triangulate and put the second port in. And at that point, they were using, and we still do use the striker shaver. And they would shave down adhesion yeah. and shave, you know, defects within the cartilage sort of re- resurface the mandibular yeah. conda. Now we use radiofrequency ablation or coblader that, that allows us to, to kind of vaporize adhesions, mm-hmm. vaporize areas of hyperemia, of inflammation, really make the joint look like a different yeah. joint, right? So you sometimes you'll go in and there's tons of adhesions and tons of hyperemia. By the time we're finished, Suddenly the joint space is opened up. We don't see hyperemia. With level two, you can do anterior disc releases. So if an intraarticular disc is displaced and fixed in that mm-hmm. anterior medial position, like that. you can actually separate the disc from the lateral teroid muscle mm-hmm. and let it settle back yeah. into a, a more normal position. That's level two arthroscopy. Level three arthroscopy, which I always say is reserved for Dr. McCain, kind mm-hmm. of the godfather of of TMJ arthroscopy in North America and Marco Caminiti and I were very fortunate, very fortunate that we were able to take Dr. McCain's course Mm -hmm. in Miami in 2017. Clayton Davis and Dan Choi were his fellows at the time, both amazing arthroscopic surgeons. Clayton's with Kingsway in Edmonton and and Dan Choi's with Dr. McCain at at Mm -hmm. Harvard now. And I remember those were a fantastic three or four days that we had down there. And McCain would make you feel like you amazing. can do anything. Yeah. Like wow. you could do anything, yeah. right? So we were on on Fresh Cadavers, Marco and I were doing anything. We we're yeah. doing level one, two, and three arthroscopy. But but I always say, and I don't do any level three arthroscopy now yet. Maybe yeah. at one point I'll get there, maybe after another 10 years of practice. But <laughs> those guys with level three arthroscopy could do discopexies. So disc plications arthroscopically. The other person who's amazing. Is Dave Sutka yeah. with mm. those? And I remember as a resident and as a junior staff being in his o- Dr. Sutka's O.R. with my jaw on the ground, going, <laughs> A, I don't understand what he's doing. <laughs> B, yeah. what are all these things going <laughs> yeah. in and out Feeding of the joint?" Feeding in his tiny little joint, right? Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, through through my so that's level three arthroscopy. Mm. So it's it's like you have your two ports and you add a third to capture the disc and yeah. center the disc. Clayton and I have become good friends and and a colleague since. That Since we Marco and I met him in, in, in Miami, and to a point where last, about a year ago this time, maybe a little bit earlier, we planned, Clayton invited me to come out to Kingsway mm-hmm. for a Thursday, Friday in their office, where my very good friend Kevin Lung had been trying to get me out there for years. <laughs> Kevin, I love you. and and i'm sorry we haven't chatted in a long time wait 28 days no it's more so lung will be lungs probably sitting there going yeah i know that that guy does i can i i can't swear i won't swear (laughs) i know what kevin would say i know that expletive yeah Yeah. never calls me but but i love you kevin anyways so i went out we planned this whole thing where i was going out clayton was very gracious he said come out i want to take your arthroscopy to another help you take it to another level. Cause I was, I had done a thousand level one arthroscopies to that point, which provided patients with great relief and gave Mm -hmm. me good diagnostic information, but I wanted to do more. So they hosted me, I spent two days at their office and they've got an incredible setup. And I worked with Clayton in their surgical facility and I watched them and I helped them. We did a bunch of procedures. I flew home Friday night, Clayton flew to Toronto Sunday mm-hmm. and I had two of our days booked Monday and Tuesday. We had 10 patients booked for arthroscopy at Mount Sinai. That's we got crazy. Clayton privileges and the two of us operated together. And since that time, most patients coming to my OR for level for arthroscopy are getting at least level two or if awesome. they need it. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, They're getting a second port placed. Yeah. They're getting some more done. I had a patient come in today at Sinai for a follow-up who I've, known for a decade i've probably done three arthroscopic Mm -hmm. procedures on her she's one of these patients who does well after an arthroscopic procedure for a couple years and then her symptoms come back and it's it's not no risk and we can talk about Mm -hmm. nightmare if you guys want situations that can arise but it's a low risk procedure with potential high yield Mm -hmm. she came today and she said you know the last procedure you did was unreal wow it's Given me this extended relief. And why? Because we did cynevectomies on her. We did level two cynovectomies, anterior disc release. Mm -hmm. We dealt with areas of hyperemia. We really cleaned up her joints. And so there's, I think there's some value to it. But that was that her procedure happened after Clayton and I spent uh, created this mini fellowship. We are in one more shout out. We're in the process of organizing TMJ Arthroscopic Surgical Course for Canada. It's a big um, show. That's which breaking news hopefully will happen. We're working with Nexus CMF to create that they're going to sponsor the program. Nice. And everyone stay tuned because we're looking for a date. And in Toronto. It, I think the first one will be in Toronto and we may, ultimately, I, w- my vision would be we do one in Toronto, one out west, one in Toronto, mm-hmm. one yeah. out west a year. So yeah, that's that. So that that's the long answer to what's a level one, two. That's a great That's a great procedure. answer. Yeah, and and for those interested, I mean, unfortunately, I, Dr. McCain, I don't think is offering the course anymore now that he's at Harvard. But that was the greatest for so many reasons weekend that I spent. And 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 one of the take home messages is, you know, you could do something for 15 years and go to a course, and you can and learn still, a yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can always and see how little
2: you had that you actually knew. Yeah. And so then again, I would say keeping on with the theme of academics. So moving on to some more academic topics, you're very involved in organized Canadian oral maxillofacial surgery. So if you can tell us a bit about your experience with the RCDC as a board examiner and what recommendations do you have to answer or, or to give to any new surgeons or experienced surgeons about just getting involved and how has it benefited you or your practice?
1: So I would say the most rewarding thing that I've done in practice in my career uh, was, uh, after this podcast like second well, this, yeah after, no, besides he's the yet, podcast, he hasn't done this yet he's doing it right I now it. but i mean right. it'll change right. when we do when i'm your guest next the second time, time this it. is gonna be the most <laughs> but right now i would say up until this point <laughs> was getting involved with the rcdc wow. and and i remember getting the call or getting the ask when dr walker was dave walker was chief examiner and uh, eddie and i think i can't remember if marco was an examiner too at the time they were and i I was like that's so cool you're doing this and i got the ask to come i think it was three or four years out out in practice and there were legends there guys like i showed up and i'm like my jaw dropped i was sitting around the table with legends from across the country right Mm. and i sat there as just you know the 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 newbie I knew my place. Yeah. I kind of just told the line. I saw <laughs> right. what needed to be done. Yeah. And it, it funny thing. So, when I first, the first number of years that I examined, it was a great exam still, but it really became much more of an organized thing as mm-hmm. the years went on. Initially, like I remember, we'd all come with questions prepared and doctor, there were three to three sort of division heads mm-hmm. that worked under Dr. Walker and you'd be put with surgery A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. And you'd bring your questions and you'd finalize them for a couple days before the exam. Wow. And I remember the race was always on at the time. So, com- I mean, we all had computers, but it was a little, it wasn't yeah, a computerized like exam. Yeah. The race was on because you needed to photocopy. Once your exam was ready, you needed to photocopy it. And there was only one copier. <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> you wanted on. to be first. So you needed to be yeah. first, right? And I remember there was this rush because, and I'm going to correct everyone's misconceptions about this. There was a social component to be there is a social component about you know to being an examiner, which is secondary and is not in any way funded by those taking the exam. Yes. So we'd have some dinners yeah. the weekends of the exam, and everyone would pay for their dinners. Wow. I'll yeah. tell that's a good clarification. I, I got a funny story about that too yeah. that I'll come, I'll come to in a minute. So you but you'd want to get ready for this dinner. <laughs> so you'd want to get the exam ready and have yeah. it good and rush to get it photocopied. And you have to make like enough copies for all the exams, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And you get it done. And it and it was such a good experience. And I kind of I don't know how it came that I I switched. So I was a I was an examiner. I never was never a section head. Mm-hmm. And then when Ben Davis took over, the exams were always in Toronto, and I kind of became the social coordinator. So I had been five <laughs> years into five, yeah. six yeah. years into it, yeah. and I'd start organizing the dinners, right? Mm-hmm. Which there's a huge piece of collegiality. that, And I think for those taking the exam, it's important. You want your examiners to have that experience also. You're going to get a much better yes. experience as an examinee with a group of people who want to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you they're are, happy. Yeah. We're not forced. Yeah. And they're totally dedicated to it and they volunteer mm-hmm. and it's for free. Mm-hmm. And those Dental regulators across the country should know that this is a volunteer organization. People who spend thousands of person hours over, over the year to create yeah. an unbelievably great exam. So you'd want to have a couple of nice dinners. So I, when Ben took over and and they're three-year stints as chief examiner okay. and you do the most you can do is two, three-year stints. Okay. So ben did six years. So Ben at one point said, Brian you're a Toronto guy. You need to start organizing the dinners. And it went well. We did a couple good years here and there. And like by year four of Ben, I'm like, okay, now we got to You're going to step it up. We got to up the ante. Yeah. yeah. Right. And Sean Edwards. We all know Sean Edwards. Sean likes wine. Sean, we're drinking a cake bread 2018 cab right now. I know it's probably a little bit below you, but it's, <laughs> but it's pretty good wine, <laughs> really, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Sean, does Sean listen to this podcast? You know,
0: sometimes we just say random names and you speak to them into existence and they end up writing back. You guys so, need to email yeah, Sean. Sean Edwards. So You need to listen exactly. to this exactly. podcast yeah.
1: because mm-hmm. this is a classic story. So, for those of you who know Toronto, there's a steakhouse called Harbor 60. Yeah. Right? there. Yeah. It's a great steakhouse, yeah. but it's a pricey steakhouse. Yeah. It's close to where the exam is. So we can walk from the Marriott Hotel at the Eaton Center down to Harbor mm-hmm. 60 and do our thing. So we spend all day Friday, Thursday night and all day Friday preparing for the exam. And by the way, it's become more scientific now. The exam was prepared well in advance mm-hmm. of us all showing up in Toronto. Yeah. And the Toronto time would be to calibrate it. So we'd go through the exam and mm-hmm. question by question, make sure everyone knows how to ask the questions what the answers are what the other possibility mm-hmm. possibilities of answers you may get are and how to deal with them so we we finish and i booked the dinner for harbor 60 this is on a friday night let's say and the exam saturday sunday so you have 30 examiners go to harbor 60 and everyone pays their own way so there's a couple of problems here right so i call already laughing
2: and i don't even have a start. so
1: i went to high school with mm-hmm. one of the owners of harbor 60 the woman who runs it who I don't know well, but I called her. I said, look, you've got 35 oral and maxillofacial That's surgeons coming. coming for dinner. Here's what we like. We like when we get there to each have a cocktail and have hors d'oeuvres come around, yes. right? Okay. We don't want to think about ordering <laughs> things. And then we'll sit down after an hour. We want dinner, a bit of wine, and we're going to go, right? So we, I'm the last person there. I show up. Edwards is already there. He's already picked some wine. I'm like, what are you doing? buddy <laughs> yeah. like we're all paying for this yeah. okay like pick a 40 or 50 bottle of wine yeah. right? not edwards like it started at a buck 50 <laughs> and it probably got up to by the end of the night they were bringing 300 bottles, oh okay? my oh, but that, that's a part of it right the other thing is hors d'oeuvres are coming around and i know what the shrimp are all about there and my daughter ruby she talks about the shrimp at Harbor 60. I'll take her there sometimes before hockey. Game. Yeah. She's like, dad, they're as big as a lobster. <laughs> they're yeah, these yeah. massive shrimp. Yeah. They're not cheap. I look, I'm talking, I think, I can't, I think I was talking to Joey Friedlick, a good buddy of mine. Shout out to Joey also. And out of the corner of my eye, I see them walk out with trays of these shrimp. <laughs> and, oh my god. It's pretty much trays of money. Oh, They're oh all about trays god. of just money. Build. Trays of shrimp. Yeah. Okay. So it's so funny. So the dinner goes on and on and on and on. The bill comes. And again, wow. for those residents listening, you're you didn't fund did, this. and you guys yeah, yeah. went through the exam. Not a penny of what you pay to mm-hmm. write this exam paid for this. Yeah. Everyone should know that. No, we good pay to know. One way right yeah. so the, the bill comes and edwards has been going nuts with wine <laughs> at this point he's like in their cellar figuring out what's the most expensive <laughs> bottle oh my you guys god have. so the bill comes and typically like these dinners they're 250 bucks a head mm-hmm. and everyone 300 they're happy wow. mm-hmm. bill comes it's like 800 dollars a person i'm like oh my god <gasps> i look at ben i'm like i'm so sorry everyone had a great time <laughs> So Caminidi looks at the bill, he's like, Oh my god, they charged us they charged us like two thousand dollars for for bottled water. Cause the first person who sat down there said, Yeah,
0: I want bottled yeah, water, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. we went
1: for the restaurant told it in fairness, they said, You know what? Oh, you're not paying for the bottled water. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Look at Dr. We Cena. all pay, everyone pays, everyone goes home, except at the end of the night, like there's one outstanding amount. <laughs> yeah. John Edwards? Okay. no it wasn't Sean it wasn't <laughs> John. I'm not going to mention who it was because I don't even remember the name they were only they were only there that one year as an examiner I think. up. anyways I can't remember who said you mm-hmm. know what, I'll just cover their portion the next morning is exam morning so we all get back to the hotel by the way we're back to the hotel by 10 10 yeah. 10 30 mm-hmm. everyone's like getting into bed getting good rest for the exam the next morning we're sitting at breakfast table of 10 of us I was there Ben there's a whole bunch of us there and a new examiner. And and I think whoever covered may have been Tony Shahadi. I can't remember who covered the cost mm-hmm. of that person, brings up the story. I can't believe one person didn't pay. I had to pay for them. or we're figuring out we're all yeah. gonna put a collection together yeah. for them. And and this one new examiner sitting at the table, he's like stone cold. Oh, quiet, quiet, yeah. quiet, quiet, quiet. So breakfast ends and and Davis is like, guys, y'all gotta get to the exam, like the exam starting in half an hour, go to your booth. And this examiner takes Ben aside and said, I
2: didn't know I,
1: I didn't realize no. I had to pay. I thought you can't believe him necessarily. Yeah. yeah. And he gave and to his credit, he gave Ben a whole bunch of cash to cover it. And and so I think we started this by saying, How did I get to where I was? Yeah. Ben did not fire me at the time <laughs> for that fiasco. He promoted you. He promoted <laughs> me. He promoted you. He so Ben asked me at one point too uh, if I'd be interested in taking over. And and there's there's no organization that I wanted to help out more that I felt I owed more to that gave me more than this RCDC did over the years. And and I took over from Ben. Ben became became examiner in chief. Was that a vote or just succession? Succession. I think it yeah. had to go through the, the board of the college. Okay. And I had five fantastic years as chief examiner and then and one and a half yeah. miserable years mm-hmm. when yeah. we all we all know yeah. we don't have to talk about what yeah. happened. Yeah. But and i think this is public knowledge the the rcdc will be mm-hmm. i think it will be made official soon will be taking over yeah i think the the, license, the licensing exam yeah. which will be a separate entity from the fellowship. fiscally yeah. Yeah governance wise from the fellowship and then we're on a fellowship exam also and that will be 2024.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. been announced. But yeah. for
1: those residents who are saying, should I do the fellowship or not, do the fellowship yeah. Yeah. this year. For sure.
0: I mean, just, I mean, as people that hire people, people that work in hospitals, we're not looking at anyone without the fellowship. Yeah. yeah. I think so it's like, don't even bother such an, Yeah,
1: it's such an important, and Chad Robertson took over from me and he's doing an unreal job as chief examiner and it's a great organization and I really hope that this hiccup of the past four years mm-hmm. will be behind us and there will be a new, yeah. new kind of normal and a great and RCDC will move into greatness again, I hope. But that that's my RCDC story.
0: Yeah. So then when it comes to Mount Sinai, we already talked about kind of your roles and responsibilities there. One thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, I'm constantly pestering you about hospital stuff. I mean, we talked about headaches before. You never pester me. Well, okay, well, that's good. I, 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 I <laughs> it's funny, I tell Oscar like all no, no, the time no, no. I feel I know like he I'm a pesters headache. you because I hear about it. Well, like, hey, I always feel a like okay. Yeah. But I think Oscar screens out 90% of my messages me <laughs> because I'm always like, should I ask or how does this work? I, I, I always feel a little bit bad because I feel like I'm harassing you or being a headache and I don't want to be a headache. But you know, people are always pestering you about scheduling or hospital policies, things like that. So, as the head of a division, can you maybe explain to the listeners and other attendings that are out there listening what is involved in juggling so many departments and meetings? Why can't you just give everyone more of our time? Why can't you just pay people more for clinics? Mm-hmm. Like what goes into this and why is it such a why is it difficult to juggle these barriers? Because us as colleagues, you want to give someone more of our time. Yeah. You yeah. want them to be happy, you want them to want to show up at the hospital, but you have to work within the screen constraints of a publicly funded health system and your budget. So maybe you can explain how does the OR time work? Like, what are you juggling on your side? Cause that's the side that we don't get to see.
1: Yeah. So I think there's, again, our situation at Mount Sinai may be unique and different from other centers, other provinces, other cities in that, you know, our, our dental depart- department is kind of, kind of an autonomous entity within the hospital. So we're self-funded, mostly self-funded. I think we get 20% of our budget from the hospital and 80% of it comes from us. And so, Wendell, like you and I, when we're doing work, unlike, for example, our otolaryngology colleagues, orthopedic colleagues, where there's a budget to support their staff and all the people and their office space and all those things, we don't really have that. So when we're creating revenue and bring revenue in a huge chunk of that is covering Mm -hmm. the cost. Then we don't pay rent, but we have lots of staff Mm -hmm. and lots of capital expenses and things that aren't covered by the hospital. And so it's hard to find that number, Mm -hmm. right? So there, you know, what, to his credit, what Dr. Tenenbaum Mm -hmm. and Goldberg have done is they've created this escrow fund. So, you know, there's a percentage that each of us take, which, some like, some think it's not enough. It is what it mm-hmm. is so that the department survives. But there's a there's a percentage that goes into this escrow fund. And if the department has a good quarter, a good half, a good uh-huh. year. It's like We, we get some of it. Back, get them back, right? Yeah. Okay. But we all have to be prepared that sometimes that's not gonna happen. Yeah. And people who work at a hospital, I think, have an altruistic nature. Mm-hmm. But you also need to support your family. Yes. And you need to yeah. It's there, important there to needs recognize to be both sides of that, right? Yeah. So, but you're not at the hospital necessarily. There is a degree of altruism to being at the hospital, mm-hmm. and things change, right? So sometimes there's a bigger nut that the hospital needs from what we're taking, and sometimes there's a smaller one, and and I think we're all prepared for that, right? That's the clinic piece. Yeah. Then there's you know you know juggling what happens in in the OR. And there's a finite amount of OR time that the hospital gives us. Now, we're in a pretty good place, I think. I think. I I never want to jinx us because you never. I've seen what can happen. I've lived it my chief resident year across the street. Uh But I think we're in a pretty good place, and we have a great seat at the table. Right? And and why I think this is a couple months – at Sinai, our OR days are from 8 till 3.30. And – then there are what are called short extended and long extended ORs mm-hmm. that occur at Mount Sinai. Long extended is like if you have a, a, a flap case a, or something, a flap or something that's going to take you ten, twelve yeah. plus hours. That's a long extended. So like like an orthognathic for
0: Oscar, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I'm working with one, <laughs> I got to What he's <laughs> um, um, like, you got
2: to do it with your left hand, playing left like, oh, the wrong
0: side.
1: <laughs> uh, and then there's short extended, which which go to five thirty, right? Okay. And those were always booked kind of on a first come first. It wasn't really fair. Like people would go first come first serve and some would get it and some wouldn't. And the hospital a few months ago said, no, no, no. we have to make this. Let's look at you. Let's look at the users. And we were included in a group, a very small group of users. And I have a seat at that table as division head of our department at Mount Sinai. And and we are we've been granted a few long extended days a month and short extended days a month now, uh-huh. which primarily I'll go to what doctor what Carl Cuddy and I haven't I haven't shouted Carl out yet, but a wonderful colleague and partner of ours at, at Sinai and really supports me. He's kind of my I call him my co lead because he he sits on a number of committees also there. But Carl does a lot of these flat cases and he's doing probably time. one or two of them a month. Yeah. Dr. Sutka, well, Wendell, you yeah. just did an extended uh, TMJ, or TJR case. There are times we need it and now we've got it. Wow. And not every division got yeah. it within our wow. group, right? Yeah. And that's just one example where I think we're, and I never, am a bit superstitious and I always am looking out. just in case i'm always looking at the back of my head to see what's coming but i think we're positioned well having said that our time's finite yeah we've got a group of surgeons each bring something to the table and we need to divide that time up amongst them and it's not always necessarily seen as equitable Mm -hmm. but i try to make it equitable yeah right and like happened today you know when there's some extra time that comes up and i think you know Wendell here could use some more time because he he probably out of the group of us has the least yep. amount of time. It's a good there. day for you today. Ah, yeah. for you today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I try to do it and and it's and it's hard and I you know I'm not I'm not a hard ass type of guy. I actually don't like when people are upset with me. Mm-hmm. I'm, in my family. No. My family would tell you I'm the classic fence sitter. My wife would tell you I'm, I'd be a great politician because I can I can ride both sides yeah. of the fence. But but put that a war story which
2: one? With, with Stabano. Oh! <laughs> How quickly did you jump that bitch Should we tell that story? You tell it.
1: Tell the story. You tell it. No tell names. Yeah. No yeah. names, but tell the story. So we're like in, I'm,
2: I, it's my chief resident here. And then I was on call. So I was coming down because Riddy was on, Ritty was a staff on call and I had to tell him about a case. Okay. And so he's in the OR, he's in OPS. I think they're doing scopes and he's with Stabano. And so, that's the only day.
1: name we're gonna use though. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah. our resident,
2: So Stibano, so it's a fun day because it's the OPS, so it's all day surgery. I think there's lots of scopes going on, so we know we can talk. And Stabano seems to be just kind talkative. of yeah, very in a very talkative like mood that day and kind of ripping on an old resident that we had previously, but before our time, but just kind of ripping on this resident. And, before and, your
1: time, but yeah, but this resident trained under trained, you. yeah trained yeah. under
2: Riddy, But so before our time, so I was like, first of all, I was surprised. I'm like, I like, I have no idea about this resident. right? Like he I know was the name, ripping but he them, was yeah. really going in on this resident. I was like, oh okay, whatever. But I, again, I don't know them, so no issues with me. And he's kind of not necessarily saying yes or no, but he's just kind of going along. He's listening to the story. He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like nodding his head a little bit, like going. Huh. <laughs> anesthesia that day, who's high up in anesthesia, high up in. U of T Medicine. U of T Medicine, we vote in the name of his name. All of a sudden says, That person is one of my very good friends. (laughs) His relative? instantly says, Oh, I love that person. (laughs) Such a good resident. I loved working with him. why would I? I had to walk out. I was laughing so bad. Classic. (laughs) No, like literally. Classic. And, and, And so when you do say, You don't like making people mad, you are one of the, ni- and I said this on in your intro, you're one of the nicest people I've ever met. Even yeah. when you do the call schedule for our office, I'm like, you're a schedule narc. I'm also a schedule narc. I look at everything. I know everybody's schedule, And when I look at the call schedule, I'm like, this guy put himself on the most. Yeah. <laughs> like you're the guy who makes a schedule. I try and do that at yeah, Sinai too. You I, I, take the most call, but not only do you take the most call you take the most long weekends and I'm like, yeah. why would you, you, you shouldn't do that. So yeah, he, he, you definitely, I can see you struggling when you have to make a tough decision to people. It, it, it's it's, no it's, for it's an
0: unenviable position because as you said, you've got five people or six people that now that want ORs, no matter how many you give, every once in a while more, yeah. which is a good sign. It means you're busy, means your wait list is getting longer and it's tough. You know, you have to, you have to break some hearts. You have to just keep it clear. I mean, how many times have I texted you? And the beginning of the text is, I promise, Brian. I don't want to harass. Him. <laughs> I, I promise, I am not trying to be difficult. Like you, it's, and it's and, just, and so yeah.
1: the one thing that I do is I try and depersonalize it. I never take it. Yeah, I try not to take it personally. Yeah. My hope is though, and and my goal, my again back to building bridges is, you know, I hope that those that building those bridges, and I am not doing it for for the necessarily only the greater good of our service, but it's part of it. And I and you know we have. A brand new OR facility at Mount Sinai mm. that unfortunately got sidetracked by COVID. Yeah, yeah. we have nineteen ORs. We went from eleven or twelve to nineteen. There, at one point, once human health resources mm-hmm. are at a good spot, you know, spot at the hospital, there is going to be more time, yeah. and we're going to get some because of where we are, and there will be
0: opportunities yeah. for.
1: You, yeah. for all of us, for maybe more new junior
0: attendings. Well, that's why on the January, I don't know if you heard the January episode, but I told Oscar my news resolution is to try and be more patient because you know we're type A. You want everything right now, you want things going right now but sometimes, as you said, when you were growing up in Santa, you need you need to wait a little bit. You try and be patient, keep there, keep present. You know, tell the person what you need. Opportunities come up, also opportunities come up, and you kind of want to be there. And if you sit back come and,
2: and you think of all the things you accomplish, you're like, wow. I'm a lot further than where I thought it would be, but then sometimes when you're there you want to get even further ahead.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, so you're involved in so many things. We've I think we've done a, you know, a good job of talking about this crazy hospital side here. That's honestly almost like a full-time academic in the hospital on its own. Then you're a partner in a huge practice. You have to deal with Oscar. So that's a full-time job (laughs) on its own. I mean, I just need to get Oscar arranged for a podcast once a month. And before I had Brad in my life, you didn't know what was gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time, one time, I showed up at Oscar's house to record, and he opened the door, and he's like, "Why are you here?" <laughs> yeah, he yeah, I remember you <laughs> yeah, told me that. Yeah, I'm, the next like, day. I'm like, "Why are you coming here?" Yeah. He, <laughs> he's like, "I'm <laughs> recording." I'm like, what, "What are we recording?" Yeah. So you're doing a lot. So, do you have any advice to people like how do you balance all your responsibilities? Because you know, one thing we wanted to bring up is I have two kids, young kid, young know, two and a half year old, and this two month old. Oscar announced last episode he's, he's about to be a father as well yeah it's a boy and it's a boy now he's announcing nice. like he's yes. a boy lots of days at the hockey rink and yeah, soccer, soccer pitch 100 so do you have any life hacks like how are you balancing like for me in my mind i'm thinking how are you balancing your two jobs Anything. and then you don't strike me as someone that's negligent to their family like i feel like you're i'll jump big, in,
2: no i'll jump in on that he's amazing with his family
0: yeah i feel I'm like amazing. the type of guy you, you tr- reference tr- your ba- right. Like, yeah i love my family so how do you how I, do you balance this
1: yeah i think it's I never feel it's balanced. Mm-hmm. I always feel like like I could be doing more at home and with my kids. Perfect example is yesterday, my youngest daughter, who's 17, who is, I think, booked to have her to do her driver's test in a month. And, and I, had, I was away for a week on a ski trip yeah. with my buddies, which my family blesses me to do yeah. every year without any question or issue. And I, I came back Saturday, I'm like, I gotta catch up Sunday. I have so much work to do. And Ruby, I had to pick her up somewhere. She said, Dad, bring my license, can we drive? And and I'm like, you know what? The work will be there tomorrow or the next day. And we drove around for an hour and a half and I was I didn't yell at her, but like <laughs> What has your driving instructor been doing? <laughs> Why can't you do a three-point turn? So it's, it's a it's a it's a tough balance. My wife, God bless her, finally. I mean, she's she always understood that what we did, what we do, is unique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll say, lifestyle-wise, within the dental realm. It's not no. being a general, and I yeah. love general dentists. Yeah. It's not being a general dentist. But when we sit at the hospital and we see, and we've all, as trainees, we spend time on general surgery. It's not a bad lifestyle, yeah, right? Yes. But it takes you away from your family when you're on call. Yeah. And, you know, you have that odd, every once in a while, you have that horrible call week where you're operating yeah, and, night nonstop. and on the weekend and yeah. it's going nuts. And I remember my wife for the first 10 years of my practice was all she just was concerned. Where are you? Yay, when what's coming going on? on? And now she just knows, and God bless her. She's like, I know, like, and she never blinks or gets upset that I'm walking in the door at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. After oh, wow, paperwork and stuff. We, we need to get all our uh, wives together with the. I them, uh, promise it'll happen. Here. You just got to keep. <laughs> <laughs> <You just> gotta- <laughs> And never turn off your fine My. I don't think yeah. she knows where I am. Yeah. I'm sitting at yeah. the office at my desk. It's. I don't have the magic answer. I don't think any of us do. We're all good people. Everyone listening, I think, has their family, if they have a family. But I think you, know, you make, heart, you make they, an effort.
2: You do make an effort. Like you go on a trip with your daughter. Like you go watch a hockey game in multiple cities. You really do a lot. I
1: try. Yeah. I try. It's. I love my kids. I love my wife, and it's. And they They've made me who I am. Right. Like we can't do. Some people can do it alone. I can't. I don't have the strength. It's to a do lot. it alone. It would be a whole right? lot to balance. And you lot. also want to do it for. Yeah, you want to do for something and somebody. Yeah, that's what makes and, it worth it. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I think just you know just strive for balance, but also remember, work will be there. Work will be there tomorrow.
2: And so I guess this leads like, us back to work. So we talked about your scope in the practice, like at Crescent, but in the hospital, what really drew you to TMJ surgery and what did you do
0: to get some extra training or experience for that? Because you must have like a memorable TMJ case or, or, I think, or like how, yeah, how, there's, I always wonder to go to. We'll say three people because I,
1: I consider, I mean, Simon Weinberg, ultimate mentor and, and Bo Krashtalski, I would say they were my first oh. exposure to yeah. it. And I used to love spending those OR days at Toronto General with them because they made it look so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I didn't get from them, because they were community surgeons who brought patients to Toronto General, and patients would be asleep and I'd operate on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I'm going to digress for a second, and I, and my residents will tell you this, and you might remember this, Oscar, is remember that under the drapes, is a, person, is, yeah. is a person yeah is a person and and it's not an anatomy lesson it's yeah. not you know we got to know their names we yeah. should know what we're doing for them because patient. they don't
0: in residency you don't see any of the before or anything or any, any, of any of the after you just On see all the, and, yeah and all they care about is oh i want to do i want to <laughs> do it how much am i going to get to do with the case much right. much you gonna know really let you me care. do which is okay was, oh, which is okay because you're learning remember and you do it the person
1: yeah. under the drapes yeah. So Dr. Weinberg and Kristolski would bring these patients and we would always try and we didn't have the opportunity to see them for consults or follow-ups. So you'd try and get some background from them ahead of time. You'd meet the patient in the holding mm-hmm. area. You do this amazing surgery, and they were so good. They made you like rocks. They yeah, made you. Yeah. I remember the the people that trained me, whether it was them, Claudio Tokyo, would make you. Feel like you were a rock star orthopedic yeah. surgeon. Yeah, you'd whip through these cases. You never walk around the, the table, and then you you go and you're in, you're so on your own. You're on yeah. your own in practice. You're like, oh, why can't I do this? Yeah. Like, Farrell, Fer- oh, Fer- Fer- like, Fer- Farrell was the, the thing, same way, and
0: the say. residents tell me Cami is very similar. It's like Marco's it's the same. It's because they're they're good operators, but they're good assistants. They know where you're gonna throw your and how to guide you. Yeah. So we always say, like, you know, the first time after fellowship, we do a case not with Farrell. You're like. Why is this so hard? Like, <laughs> yeah. I know how to yeah. do this. Why because is nothing the person working? on that
1: side not assisting <laughs> yeah. well? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: and, and it's not even that. Like some people are so like, Farrell sounds also so specialized in what he does too, right? He becomes so good at it that you go operate with someone else who's also really talented, yeah. but doesn't do it as much. And you're like, this isn't as easy anymore.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so that was my intro to it was through those okay. guys, through Weinberg and Krzysztof. Mm-hmm. And then I started spending time across the street with dr baker and sutka and you'd operate with them but you'd also do clinics especially with dr baker you'd meet the patients Mm -hmm. you'd see them for consults you'd work them up you'd do the follow-ups you'd walk them through this and listen tm being a a tmj surgeon i always say when patients when sorry when trainees or residents say i really want to do this i'm like do you do yeah Mm -hmm. because because out of a hundred patients i see two of them need surgery Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: That I'm spending
1: a yeah. hundred hours, yes, yes, yeah. to take two patients to the operating room, yeah, and I'm quarterbacking what most of these patients really need. So you develop, you need to develop a network of of adjunct care, mm-hmm. whether it's physio, uh, physio pain, uh, clinic. pain, all these things yeah. that patients need. And I'm very honest with patients; I tell them right away, I can deal with the mechanics and stuff going on in, within your joint, mm-hmm. but I'm not a pain specialist. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, and I'm not someone who's going to manage your myofascial pain, your neuropathic pain. So you need a network, but you also need to be prepared to sit and take the time with those patients. And Oscar will tell you, I book three quarters of an hour for my consults. Mm. It may be too much, and you are never rushed with your patients. You give them the time, and you you need to know them. And so, I really got that piece. You know, for sure, some from Dr. Sutka, but a lot of it from Dr. Jerry Baker, because he was, he was the master consultant. His patients loved him. He knew how to interact with them. He knew how to get the answers out of them that he needed. Mm -hmm. And his judgment was impeccable. And as is Dave Sutka, it's like, you know, who needs surgery? Who doesn't need surgery? And so that was kind of how it went. It wasn't like I went into Oral and Max, facial surgery residency, this. going. I love TMJ yeah. surgery because most of us don't love it, yeah. and most of us don't love it because it's that patient management mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. We all love the surgery. We yeah, all love it's, the it's surgery. really. Cool. But I always tell people, great, you got to do all of it. Yeah, yeah. To do the surgery, but I, I, those are those those are the people I I have to credit with it, and it was you know Doctor Break- Baker bring me over to Mount Sinai really to grow up practice, and within that practice, a TMJ surgical
0: practice. Definitely. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about was last episode, we did a Journal Club review on just a case report on what happened when they dropped the, the their total concept Contact. TMJ prosthesis on the floor mm-hmm. in the middle of a case. And they went through kind of the sterilization protocol. They got lucky. They found a neighboring institution, sterilized overnight. They kept the patient intubated in the ICU, and they finished the case the next day. So we wanted to ask you, and we. You know, yeah. article wise, you said, you know, it's okay, it's whatever. It's whatever as an article, but it was thinking we liked it. Cause yeah, it, it kind of stimulates your thinking and makes you think, okay, what's the worst that can happen and what do we do in that scenario? So one thing we mentioned that we wanted to ask you was, first of all, has it happened prosthesis or fossa, and what is the protocol at known sign or what do you have to do? Like how, what would happen? So touch wood as far, it hasn't happened to me. And as far as I know,
1: and, and, you know, the first joint TMJ prostheses that were placed at Sinai were in probably 95, 96. And it hasn't happened. I don't know that it's happened. Oh, wow. It could happen. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty anal about when those things are open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where they go for a few reasons. One is we've all dealt with prosthesis infections, which Mm -hmm. are brutal, Mm -hmm. brutal, brutal. And so we used to do I used to do a lot of prosthesis try in put it on the table try it in put it on the table Uh, my protocol now in the or is prepare the site we have our try so if if i'm doing a stock joint i make sure that the sizers are exactly what i Mm -hmm. want i get them to open the fossa it goes in once it never comes out okay and I get my nurse, I'm very anal, I'm like, you open it over the table, and I will take it out of the pouch, Yeah, mm-hmm. and it goes right into the patient, and it never comes out. Mm-hmm. So if there an adjustment's required, I'll move it, with the stock one, I'll move it out of the way, I'll do the adjustment, I'll put it back in, mm-hmm. I won't take it out and sit it on the and bench, yeah. because... ORs are super clean but they're not that clean yeah Yeah. and some of these bugs that uh, that patients grow in these these odd joint infections are so weird that i just wonder if they're from the environment as opposed Mm -hmm. to especially when you put it in take it out put it in take it out so that's one thing i'll do for the custom joints we have our sample Mm -hmm. fossa and Mm -hmm. sample sample condyle so I typically will put my sample fossa in, we'll make sure that it fits. If it doesn't fit, we Adjust you know it. we dissect more mm-hmm. tissue, we remove more soft tissue. Once I have that sample fitting, it comes out, we flush the joint out. Now we used to use bacitracin at cyanide, it's a useless wow. entity. juice. It, we can't use it anymore. Oh, okay. It's actually ID has eliminated it. It can't be used oh, well, right? because it's useless. <laughs> yeah. So, so now in. we'll just flush with a ton of like just a ton of normal saline solution. And once we're ready, it gets open. It goes in. We fit it. We sc- I'll usually put the first two screws in to hold it in place. Mm-hmm. Then I'll take my condyle sample. I'll put it in. Once I'm happy, it's in the right place. Same thing. I don't take those things out. Okay. Can it fall as the nurse is passing it to me, theoretically, but literally, it comes she's like she's got it in up. the yeah. package, yeah. and I and I put it inside you. That's a nightmare. I don't know that at Sinai we'd have the resources or or any. Ontario hospital yeah, institution UK. to keep a patient intubated for twenty four hours, sterilized, yeah. to, sterilize, to yeah, then so. take them back yeah. to the OR. I I, I I don't know what we do. I would maybe consider opening a stock joint. Yeah, and just and fitting a stock joint for the patient mm-hmm. if something fell on the floor. Yeah, yeah. so, but that that's in my, that's the practice that I've developed, which isn't necessarily right or wrong but it makes me feel Mm -hmm. most comfortable and that's really what matters too like you follow the same protocol every single every time time. every
2: time so i think we've asked you a bunch like academic stuff prior practice stuff life stuff and so we'll get to another part of life you're a pretty active guy what's your current hobby that you're interested in right now
1: golf oh really golf i'm crazy about golf so I Did you always golf? I've golfed since I was 13 oh, and yeah. I never took a lesson uh-huh. and I was brutal. <laughs> but then I, you know, one of my, a close friend of mine, his, when we were in undergrad, his dad bought a golf course. That's amazing. Up in Innisfil. And wow. I remember that summer, we all had jobs that at were conducive. No no, oh, no, no, Okay. That were conducive. Like they were all morning jobs. So you could so, go up. So at yeah. noon. We'd all meet. We'd drive up to to my buddy Charles' dad's golf course in Innisville. We'd golf eighteen or thirty six holes. There was oh a pro God. there who'd go us. That's like, amazing. That was I was about twenty two or twenty three. That was the best I ever was. Yeah. And maybe I was like fifteen handicap. I was good. I wasn't great. That's right? yeah, not bad though. And then that passed. And kind of ha- resident Funny story. So I'm sitting with, I'm sitting with Cam and Edie, and Nick Blanis. So, Cam and Edie at the time was outgoing mm-hmm. chief mm-hmm. when I found out I got into the program. Blanis was going to third year and we're having lunch. I think in first, I can't remember who else was there. Mm-hmm. But, and Marco said, or Marco was my attending at the time, I remember. I was just about to start the program. He said, Do you like golf? And Blanis said, I'm like, in my mind, I'm going, Oh, this is awesome. And Marco, like, he wants to golf with me, right? <laughs> yeah. This is so cool. I go, I love golf. <laughs> Deadpan. He looks at me and goes, put your golf clubs away for the next four years. <laughs> you're <laughs> never <wrote> in your <laughs> spirit. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> okay. Which leads me to another point. For anyone who's listening That's to this so who's funny. going to be entering a residency program. <laughs> yeah. And you guys can attest to this or maybe you'll say I'm nuts. Somewhere between four and eight weeks into your program, you're going to have this epiphany moment where you're going to say what the heck did I do yeah I don't want to do this I can't do this I want to I don't know if you guys had that I remember I was still had time to run and I run I I ran a lot I'm trying to get back into running I remember I was out for a run maybe four or five weeks and and Lindsay and I were engaged and we were living together and I came home from the run and I said to her I can't do this yeah I can't do this she's Mm -hmm. like yeah you can Mm -hmm. And my advice to everyone is you're going to go through that and you just need to push through it. Yeah. You just need to push through it. Same thing for those who do orthognathic surgery. My daughter, Joey, had sagittal split mandibular advancement four years ago. Kameniti and Rainish did it. Two, two rock stars. They took care of her. And, and I was the dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a parent. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting being the parent. Of an orthognathic. Now you surgical know. Surgical patient. Because you live. And I I stayed out of their hair. I have total trust in both of them. Mm-hmm. I literally lived it as a parent. And now I say to parents who have kids going through this. I remember Joey said this after four days. She was like, why did you let me yeah. do this? Yeah. Right? And I'm yeah. like, I tell the parents, three, four days in, your You're gonna child's going to say, why did you let yeah. me do this? Yeah, It's the same thing. You just got to plug through it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... And that was that was my experience. And for those listening who are entering residency, never get discouraged. And it's worth it at the end. And it's 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 the, so
0: worth it. But it's funny that you mentioned this because I didn't I had an epiphany, but at the same timeline, but in a different way. Whereas I'm the type of person, you know, dental school played on like nine sport teams, social rep million hobbies. In my personal life, million hobbies. I mean, we started a podcast, like million hobbies. I get to oral surgery feeling high, feeling mighty. You're in Canada, you just feel great. And I didn't give up any of my hobbies. I'm like, nah, no. I joined uh, McGill Pickup Hockey League. I joined the medical school intramural soccer team. I kept everything, watched all the same sports, mm-hmm. all the same TV shows. At the time I was dating my now wife, but you know, it was long distance, so I had so much free time. Gym, I kept all my hobbies. Yeah. And after eight weeks, it became very clear that I was underperforming as a resident <laughs> because I was it's not hard. spending yeah. enough time yeah. studying, reading, catching up, preparing. Like
2: you're used to being successful, yeah. And a lot of us are, are like, and it's not being conceited or cocky, but we're, we're overachievers and everything yeah. else. And it's not that it came easy, but it wasn't that hard. then mm-hmm. they get to residency, and even just the sheer number of hours that you're doing no. makes it hard, and makes you tired,
1: and makes you grumpy and irritable, yeah. and you're like, this is this is a lot. This it's is a, a lot. lot. Yeah, but but. We all get through oh, it. Yeah. And you can always get back. I was gonna say, and as soon as you graduate, all
0: those hobbies are back. Come and, back. And, and then you and love then the hobbies. I was just gonna <laughs> say, I was, you stole my joke. <laughs> I was gonna I, I graduated but, residency, all my hobbies are back. And like, now you're better at your hobbies. <laughs> and now you can afford all your hobbies. Yes. And now you can get the best equipment for your hobbies. <laughs> yes. And now I have two kids and my hobbies are gone. But. They'll come back right yeah, they'll and, come back,
1: and yeah. they and and they come back and they feel even better yeah. right So for me, back to what you asked about golf, which is the thing now that yeah. I'm and I'm getting trying to get back into running. I want to run some marathons again and but with golf, I finally said, you know I've golfed for like 35 years Just of my life horses. and I never took lessons yeah. and I'm inconsistent. I was frustrated. so I finally said, I'm getting lessons, so I I have a pro that I'm working with this winter. Every Saturday, I have an hour lesson with them, and I go into the simulator after and I practice. And I'm practicing when I can during have the week a little change? bit. So my swings completely changed. Wow! It looks if I showed you guys before and after, it looks better. Are we talking Charles Barkley? Has <laughs> <He's bad. laughs> it change that way or has <is> it changed <laughs> way?
0: But he can hit the ball. Yeah, he can actually. He actually
1: swing, no, right? Swing, Yeah, right. But so. I was away last month. We, Lindsay and I went, a, friend's, a friend had her 50th birthday in Puerto Vallarta. And we went and we had this great, we were talking about it yeah. before, this great summer camp five-day trip. Looked unreal. And one of the days we golfed. And I remember my pro said, don't worry. He said, it's going to be ugly. Oh. Just stick with it. Stick great. with it. Stick with it. And, and it was pretty ugly. But I, was, I did a few things in that round that I've never been able. Long irons. Like I had three or four unreal long iron shots, and I came back thinking, "Okay, it was pretty ugly round, but I can do that." But it's working. Mm -hmm. So, and it's like anything we do—whether it's a golf hobby, you're into whatever sport you're into, or what we do for a Mm -hmm. profession—I think you you need to find people who can teach you, and you need to stick with it. Yeah, right. And it's going to feel ugly at first, and feel ugly for a while, and be uncomfortable. But my hope is by the end of this summer, a little bit more consistency. I remember the first lesson I had with this pro. He said, "What do you want to shoot?" And I said, "I don't care about my score. Yeah. I said I just want to be consistent." Yeah. And I think with oral surgery, that's you want to strive for excellence, but even more importantly, consistency. consistency. If it's good work, doing, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You well, want you know, this is what predictability, I'm gonna right, yes. Predictability, predictability yes. and consistency. But I would say the short answer to my ho- my hobby now golf and, oh, how many and you... wine. How, Oh,
2: how many rounds do you want to get this summer?
1: I don't know. As many as you can. Yeah. I'd love to play a couple times a week. There's a win-win solution here. Just give me your
0: ORs <laughs> and you <laughs> golf on Tuesdays. And He's, He's like, like, for the summer? He's I'm like, a summer. for the summer. It's like, you know, the business. Style. He's like, but I'm taking all your winter ones. You know, this has been great, but any shout outs you, you want to give on the podcast?
1: I mean, I've, i I think I've made a few already. Yeah. I think first and foremost, foremost, my wife and kids. Like, did your wife will Joey, listen to this episode? They better listen to this episode. <laughs> they will yep. have no choice. Yeah, yes. it. it will be but, on
0: repeat. Yeah. But
1: I, I'm so thankful for the support, and courage. Like, they've never batted an eye. And there have been times, and you guys are going to go through. You go through it now with your mm-hmm. kids, Oscar. I'm so wow. happy for you. But you're going to see there are times when. You got stuff going on and you want to be at two places at once and you can't. And my wife and, and Lindsay and my daughters, Joey and Ruby, have been super supportive all along of everything I've done in practice. The people I work with, Oscar, our new associate, Ross Linker and my, my amazing partners Amir Musavi Chris Lee Pete Julis and uh, Eddie Rainish yeah. one of my closest and dearest friends I call him my brother from another mother <laughs> Eddie and I talk every morning at 7:30 yeah oh my god every morning Wow! So I was away on my ski trip last week. That's like a new drive-in or something? And we didn't talk. That's weird. And I felt like something was missing. Yeah, I'm like, is so the time funny. difference. Yeah, so, so yeah, Every morning, Eddie and I talk. Is what Kara, like, laughs. Like, oh, your wife's calling you. Again. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But he's another amazing um, human being. I have amazing. that with,
0: with one of my buddies, Jordan. My wife gets mad because I'll tell her, oh, you know, honestly, I'm just like, dead from work today I'm so exhausted I had a bunch of rough <laughs> cases I'm on call when like, he calls you. You're tired <laughs> call yeah, yeah, or, you or, 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 or she'll be like why are you listening to and you're like messaging yeah, yeah. it like, oh, an
2: you'll have a full conversation and you'll be yeah. and then like you'll hang up and you're like I'm
1: exhausted <laughs> like, oh. because they, these are pickups, right yeah. and we all we all need, we need it yeah. you're right? and sometimes we don't want to burden our family yeah. with the yeah. 100%. crap that we're dealing with at the office
2: it's <laughs> bad to say but they just don't understand it right they don't Yeah.
1: And Eddie understands it. Eddie and I, we commiserate often. Marco Caminiti, super supportive, very close, dear friend. But and we've, you know, I I always, I'm so happy that he's back in the academic world. Mm -hmm. And that I have him, you know, to support what I'm doing at Sinai. And hopefully I support what he's doing with the program. Mm -hmm. You two guys, Wendell, we love having you at, at Sinai and being part of the team. And Oscar knows I love him, and we're so happy that he's with us. So. And 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 there's so many people across. I've
0: mentioned, like yeah. you know, my good. The, yours is kind of nice. You kind of mentioned them along the way. And, and like i nice
2: told you, and I think I've told you before, if I was
0: oh, the if desert I island, stranded yeah. on the desert
2: island, the person I call. Is Brian
0: he knows the most amount of people. But we, well, we, awesome. did, but we did say he'd die of hunger before you got back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Wow, you would almost <laughs> yeah, yeah, die of yeah, hunger. I yeah, guess yeah, yeah.
2: you <laughs> just before yeah, that last oh, heartbeat. I texted him when my plane was going down because of a good week to respond. Yeah, exactly.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, before we let you go, we did think we'd involve you in Journal Club this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> month because we wanted to have you on this episode literally for as long as we possibly could. Perfect. You know how we do Journal Club? You know, we pick an article from, from one of the journals. This, this month we picked from International Journal of Oral Maxillofacial Facial Surgery. So why don't we jump into our next segment, Journal Club. So this month we have this article from IJMS called Correlation Between the Main Clinical Imaging and Arthroscopy Findings in Patients with Temporomandibular Disorders. And it's by Fernandez Farrow et al. You know, pre-screening. The subject of the article, the, the topic makes sense to me because... These are things we're doing. You know, you're doing a clinical exam, you're You're getting getting an MRI, and then some people will have that arthroscopy Mm -hmm. to To their practice like you. Some of them may not have that. We have, you know, an oral surgeon. We have a department of radiology. You know, we have different people collaborating on this article. So pre-screening, we're thinking, okay, this might be interesting. It it might kind of address some questions Mm -hmm. that we have. When we jump into the article itself, they talk about conservative treatment. And what I liked is they reference, you know, how conservative treatment, if if done properly, can help up to ninety percent of people. Yeah, I usually quote 80% of people can benefit from that. Have you found that in your in your practice? So the,
1: so two things I'll say is one is, and I know this concept of this conservative treatment, I think it's a mis misnomer. Yeah, he hates this food. It's actually my pet peeve. It, and I'm, I'm not, not I'm not saying I know this the article yeah. mentions so I would say that a lot of things that we might deem or this article might deem as conservative can be devastating to a joint, okay. right? For example, anterior repositioning appliances. Yeah. Conservative treatment, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that are really yeah. awful. You yeah. know, chiropractic, not, not active release and things like that, but, I, but like there's some chiropractors who will, like- who will adjust, quote yeah. unquote, joints. That's not conservative to yeah, me. You can yeah. really so and I remember years ago, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but when the RCDSO was creating their updating their guidelines for TMJ management of a TMJ dysfunction, and I was asked to be involved. Can't remember who was who was, I think Jerry Baker was doing it at the time. Dave Siegel was involved, Dave Mock, a whole bunch of mm-hmm. real legends. And I kept saying, guys, we need to stop. Calling because in our CDSO guidelines, you'll see it says conservative. I'm mm-hmm. like, we need to stop referring to this as conservative. And what we should be talking, referring to this as, is surgical management
5: no. and
1: non surgical yeah. management, yeah. Yeah. neither of which is conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The only conservative management is doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which Simon Weinberg beat the drum for years. There's good literature to tell you that 85% of patients with new onset TMJ dysfunction symptoms you know, will get better in the absence of Anything. any treatment like a burnout. in yeah. 12 months. Yeah. So the decision to do something surgically or non-surgically is based on quality of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And I'll tell patients that we may want, depending on what it is. Yeah. A patient who comes in acute closed lock, mm-hmm. I'm not sitting on them for 12 <laughs> yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah. But
1: I'll sit on them for maybe a week.
5: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, if I don't see, if they're a patient who I think can tolerate me insufflating their joint on the spot, I might do that Mm -hmm. with some local anesthetic, which will help. But for the most part, I sit on patients and, you know, we'll ask for other tests if needed and we'll send them for Mm non-surgical treatment. We'll do all these things to see if they get better because the majority of them will get better. Mm -hmm. Now there's a group that won't, which this article talks about. Yeah and i know that this was a difficult article we yeah. talked about it before well, yeah. it, it's a good article but it was a bit
0: of a sleeper yeah right like it well, was okay struck- before before you jump to the end okay. before you jump to your okay. Analysis, okay. yeah okay. let me let me update the readers a little bit so the main objective of their prospective study was to describe and evaluate the possible correlation that exists between the most relevant signs and symptoms of tmd such as pain limitation mouth opening and the findings you see on mri and arthroscopy which i think that so that That's premise a, yes. sounds amazing great good That sounds good so far. You know, they had good strict inclusion criteria. They had exclusion criteria. One thing I, you know, I semi-jokingly was going to say was all images were evaluated by the same neuroradiologist. They did not mention if that radiologist MRE trained, though. I, I don't know if they have their MRE certificate. You know, there needs to be a qualifying factor. He's from Spain. I don't think he did it. Hey, oh, dude, you don't understand how many people have completed the oh. course in Spain. Trust me.
5: Trust me. Hey, Maybe he did do it.
0: People, people have wanted a Spanish translation for a long time. Trust me. And I know that because their names are so long on the certificate that they don't fit on. You're like, you're like, I can't give it to <laughs> you. I can't give you all the seven names. So in total, they had 298 patients. And basically, when we look at kind of the results and, and what they were talking about is they did mention that when it comes to pain, it was related, it seemed like, between certain kind of findings that they would see, like synovitis. It wasn't related to chondromyalgia. You know, one thing it wasn't related to either was adhesions or disc perforation. Adhesions made sense to me because you're thinking limitation of movement, maybe. I thought perforation would maybe cause more pain, but maybe it's avascular on avascular, so maybe that's why it's not, but... I think what we often see arthroscopically in patients who have a lot
1: of so there's two things we're looking at and this article talks about it what what are they assessing
5: mm-hmm.
1: mechanics, yeah mouth opening, yeah, right, and the subjective reporting yeah. of pain mm-hmm. and they use a visual analog scale to do that, which we we all use mm-hmm. and I will tell you that typically patients so there's the two groups of patients that will scope one is the patient with mechanical problems yeah with or without pain most Mm -hmm. will have some pain it's really rare to have a chronic mechanical problem without some pain Mm -hmm. and then the patient with pain where we'll see either clinical or mri or both findings of some intra-articular derangement Mm -hmm. right and what you'll find in the patients with pain and with most patients you scope but particularly ones with a lot of intra-articular pain is a ton of synovitis yeah you'll see it so i agree with this article Mm there for sure and I think it's a bit of a no-brainer. Like I think you that's kind of an obvious thing it's that you expect to yeah. see. Yeah. Because it's inflammation, mm-hmm. right? Now, what you know, what caused the synovitis? Is it the fact that they're functioning off their disc? Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, we may see a perforation, we may see adhesions, and then you get this inflammatory okay, yeah. response. Did the inflammation happen first that result it's yeah, the, yeah. and again, this the chicken not, or egg that yeah. no one knows. Mm-hmm. But I would agree with this article that typically those who will report on a visual analog scale high ratings of pain, you put a scope in them, you're going to see a ton of signs. Okay,
0: that, that's good. Okay. Another thing, let's see if you agree with this. So, they said that they found the disc displacement, you know, as an MRI finding, you know, correlated excellently with their arthroscopic findings of, you know, how much, you know, they call it roofing, right? You know, yeah, what's the percentage yeah. of roofing? Yeah. They said the MRI correlates very well with the arthritis. So does that make sense to you too? It makes
1: sense. Yeah. And there were, I remember training and I don't remember the exact article, but I do know that I'm pretty sure my co-resident Tina May Sammy did some, did she have yeah, published on this? She did some work. I think Weinberg was involved where they actually, it wasn't quite like this study, but they, they looked at clinical examination mm-hmm. And they predicted based on a clinical exam where they think the disc was. Yeah. And then they had MRIs yeah. in the patient. And the correlation was outstanding. So our fingers, yeah. I always say, are the most important thing yeah. that we have in an examination is how yeah. patient and looking mm-hmm. at how people are functioning. When, when the three of us send someone for a TMJ MRI, we pretty much know yeah. What, yeah. The what, what the be. result in fact, is. On, on
0: my console note, I always write preliminary yeah. diagnosis. Yeah. And yeah. it's what I think the MRI is going to show. Based on my clinical exam. And you're right. Most of the time, it's going to correlate well. Sometimes they may have something on the asymptomatic side that you couldn't palpate. And maybe it's minor. But on the symptomatic side, you can usually kind of get it right based on clinical exam. Another thing they mentioned is that they found that only 20% of the cases cases had an effusion. And that there was a significant relationship between effusion and pain. So, everything is the same thing. Inflammation, effusion kind of makes sense. And I don't... Listen, effusions, I think... For
1: a non radiologist, Mm -hmm. they're sometimes hard to pick up on an MRI. Like, you gotta
0: really, because sometimes they can be tiny. Yeah, they can be a a thin lining and it could just be the synovial membrane. MRE, shout out. (laughs) T2. Practice. Yeah. You would know what this all this means
1: if you just did the course. Some radiologists still miss effusions too, but I think it, you know. If someone, you put a scope in someone and they got a ton of of synovitis, Mm -hmm. there's probably an an effusion there somewhere. And for sure, that'll correlate with pain. I mean, that's like, when I send to someone for an MRI, it's usually, you know, because I'm considering, it's actually always because I'm considering something surgical Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. The MRI may may confirm a diagnosis and say, okay, now we can do this. Mm-hmm. Or it may say, you know, what? The dr- I had a patient today who came MRI was totally normal and they ah. clearly have their symptoms are extra articular. Yeah. But, you know, I, I will tell you that when someone has a ton of pain and and I find intra-articular finding of fusion, I know that I'm for sure they need to yes. flush out and probably for, you know, they would benefit from me dealing with some of their synovitis and They're going to probably have some adhesions. You may find a perforation. All these Mm -hmm. things, usually you're not going to see one thing in isolation
0: arthroscopically. And then, you know, you talked about mechanics. They did look at adhesions. They found that 79% of the time. And they said there was a clearly significant relationship between limited mouth opening and the amount of adhesions. Once again, you would think that logically that makes sense, but is that your finding as well?
1: Yeah. And one thing for those doing arthroscopy, you should tell your patients is that even if you're just doing a lysis and lavage. Especially if you're doing level two, where you're doing an anterior disc release, you got to let a patient know because usually the, here's the here's the kind of historical timeline. Patient says, "I was fine, then I had clicking, then I had clicking with pain, then my clicking went away and I was locked and I had pain." Mm-hmm. Right? And if those patients don't get better, and you take them to the OR and scope them, and you, you do either just the lysis lavage and free up the, the disc, might come back. I tell them, yes. almost yeah. certainly your click going to come back. Come back. Yeah. So it's an
0: improvement technically, and <laughs>
1: I tell them I'm going to cheer when you tell them. That <laughs> yeah, because the reduction back. now because so they're, they're really going to be worried because now you're opening more yeah, yeah, and that. hopefully there's no pain associated with the click. But but yeah, I would mm-hmm. say that 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 what this article is talking about with respect to adhesions mm-hmm. and limit limitation of mechanics, mm-hmm. certainly it would logically yeah flow that, that 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 correlation should exist yeah and so, we
0: see that so we thought this article would be topical just because we knew you were going it, to be the guest this is why it's so productive and this right? is why it's so productive because of your commentary now without your commentary would we have learned as much maybe not but no. you kind of had your overall analysis how did you feel about the article overall it was hard to, to get
1: through yeah but
0: but when i cut to the
1: chase and you break down you know what the results and findings were it makes us as it makes me as someone who does this stuff regularly feel good about what we do mm-hmm. and those around the country who do arthroscopy would probably i think echo that for sure
2: so i will say i enjoyed this article much more in the last 30 seconds yeah we <laughs> so reviewed it with <laughs> someone who does arthroscopy a lot because the outline says yes this is what i see i'm like okay Let's see what we talked about, what I read, because reading, it,
0: it, it was a bit of a difficult article. Altruism. See, we read the whole article. That's it. Yeah. We summarize it for the yeah, listeners. Yeah, they, yeah. they get expert analysis on <laughs> yeah. our summary. What, I mean, what else can you ask for? What else can ask for? And a free product? Yeah. <laughs> available online? I mean, what, else, what else can you ask for, right? Yeah. yeah no, so I think that was good. It was really good involving you in this. and We always like to involve our guests in general, not only for the expert analysis, but it also gives them a little bit of the taste of the work involved in yeah. preparing, getting ready yeah. for the podcast. Yeah, no, I loved so it. I so loved it. That's really it. good. So that brings the conclusion to our journal club. Well, Oscar, I really enjoyed that. I think that it was really nice for me to get to know him better in such a well-rounded way because you've obviously told me so much about him and I've worked with him at Mount Sinai, yeah. but when you sit down with someone, you break bread in someone's home and you're talking, because we obviously talked to him a lot before the podcast mm-hmm. and after the podcast we legitimately could have talked to him for probably two, three more hours and just kept going. It was so much fun. It it was
2: really easy. And and again, it's probably a little bit easier for me, but it it, it was also easy for you. Like, it's not like Mm -hmm. I I was leading the conversation. Like you also realize he's just that outgoing
0: person. And if you think of a topic, he's got a story about it. Yeah. He's got a lot of funny stories and it was the best part for me also was learning about how he grew up with both Crescent and the hospital. Because I honestly, I did always wonder yeah, how it that possible to do. Yeah. And I think he's a unicorn. And he, he mentioned that himself. He's not sure if that could happen in this day and age. And he was kind of nice about it. He said, you know, it'd be difficult because of this and this. There is no chance, like, no. a lot of people would let you, oh, here, do less time in my office yeah, and go yeah. to the hospital and, and become the head of the department yeah, yeah. and be distracted but, but, by all this hospital. Or, stuff. or
2: then, yeah, do that, but we'll still keep
0: you as a partner here. Like, who's doing yeah. that? doing that? Yeah, they would say they would say, Okay, that's fine, that's great, but you can't be a partner here. You have to be an associate or something like that, right? Exactly. So really, really enjoyed that interview. And you could tell he was giddy the whole time. Like he just loved the fact that he was finally on the show. Yeah, and, and I feel like he could come on every month and he'd be fine. Oh well, we already talked about an the episode. I mean, if he brings the charcuterie board, yeah, oh, if he's bring wow, that why, kind of charcuterie board, he can come whenever he wants. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like, what are we doing here, right? But no, thanks a lot to Brian for taking the time and we really, really enjoyed it. That brings us to our last segment, recommendations. all right oscar recommendations one of our favorite segments what do you have for our listeners this month so it's been again same as last month for me it's been a
2: heavy sports month for me so not watching too much tv but what i did start is the second season of your honor oh okay yeah and i think it's on hbo cream i'm not sure Lexi's the one that puts it on but so far we're three so we're not done yet we're, th- we're three episodes mm-hmm. in i'm not even sure how many there are so far and it's really good so far we're if we're enjoying it we it keeps us entertained the first season ended and you're like, wow. And the second season's picked up. And, and so far, we enjoyed it as well.
0: Okay, that's great. Because I, I did watch the first season with Bianca. And we both really enjoyed it. So we were planning on watching the second season. We are going to do the thing where you wait till the whole season's done and then watch it all in and, a row. You know I don't like watching. Yeah, like you don't a, like the yeah, so, week. So it's it's weird that I, that I started it. But
2: again, we were having focused on TV. We were watching so much sports. And when we saw it, I'm like, okay, let's just watch that. That's how we picked it. Yeah.
0: And so far, we we really enjoyed it. Fair enough. We'll definitely check that out as well, and we'll be able to touch on that in a later episode. My recommendation is super weird. It's like something we've never recommended before. It's super niche, but I just thought I'd put it out there. So Obviously, you know I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Yeah. I I read the books. I've watched the movies. Really, really enjoy it. And there is a Harry Potter video game. Oh. Now... I know. We've never really been prone to video games. I'll be honest with you, the, the hardest part of this recommendation is I don't really have time to actually play the video game. But there's a Harry Potter video game. And what it is, is they spent, I think, five years making it or some insane amount of time. And there's been a the Harry Potter video games in the past, but they've always been kind of like money grabs and, just yeah. you know, take one aspect of the Harry Potter universe and try and just exploit it. This is legitimately, you enter the video game and you become like literally the story of Harry Potter. You okay, become so, a wizard. Hold on, my question before you, get, you keep
2: going is though, are you a gamer? Like, do you like video
0: games? I like video games. Okay. Yeah, okay, this so, this, okay. this. recommendation would only apply to people that enjoy video games. You don't have to be hardcore, like I'm yeah, yeah, casual, but you have to enjoy video games and you have to enjoy Harry Potter. Otherwise, there's no point. Like, have you even read the books? So sure so, no, book? So, okay, so I was going to answer that. That's my first point in the sense that
2: I became a Harry Potter fan, but I'm a cheater, right? I'm like not the true Harry Potter fan. I became a Harry Potter fan through my wife who read the books, loved it, loved the movies. I had never read the book or watched the movies until I met her. Mm-hmm. Then we watched the movies and I and I loved it. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was engaging and it captures your imagination. So I really enjoy the movies, but I've not read the books. I'm just a Harry Potter fan. The fake uh, ones, she's a true one. Yeah. But so this doesn't apply to me because one, I'm not a true Harry Potter
0: fan. And two, but I'm not Lexi's a, gamer, a true Harry Potter she might love it. She might love it, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, because the thing about it is, Bianca, you know, she was not a Harry Potter fan at all. I've obviously read all the books, I've watched all the movies. But then when we got married, I told her like, listen, you're looking for something to read, just try it. Just try the first mm-hmm. book. And she resisted for so long. And then finally she read the first book. And then she read the first, I think, three books in like a week. Wow. And the fourth book, she's like, she read all so she read all of them now. So now she's fully caught up. She watched all the movies. So she's fully caught up. I mean, obviously, she doesn't like video games. So she doesn't meet that second criteria. Yeah. So she would never play this game. Yeah. But for me, it it's like they did it so well. Now, obviously, I haven't played it for as long as I'd like. So mm-hmm. I'm still in the beginning phases but it's literally like they they hit it the nail on the head you wow. you become a, a wizard or a witch you get sorted into a house you start classes you learn spells you fight bad guys like it's <laughs> and the graphics are phenomenal like it's so you legit well feel like done. you're in the game you legitimately feel like you're in the game and what's nice is it's set like i don't know what it is a thousand years before harry potter so you don't know the story so oh. there's twists and turns and you can't predict because yes. you actually don't know what's going to happen Right? It's not like you're playing Harry Potter, meaning you know what's gonna happen. So yeah, I know it's a weird recommendation, a niche recommendation, but for people that like video games or really like Harry Potter, definitely I, like it. it's called Hogwarts Legacy and I can't recommend it enough. I think there will be
2: more people than not who actually will listen to that or enjoy that. Again, someone like me who doesn't play video games at all, I would this doesn't fit me at all, but I, I definitely feel there is gonna be enough that say, oh yeah, let me try that out for sure. So you never even played like sports video games growing up? Like I would, but it's not like I would never classify myself as a gamer. Yeah, when I'm at my buddy's house mm. growing up, I'd go over. We'd play FIFA all the time. We'd play Madden, and we'd play it. But yeah. if I'm at home,
0: I'd be like, eh, like just nothing to nothing for me. That's funny because remember I mentioned you before. I have like a thousand hobbies. Yeah. So like giving up one did nothing. Like video games is one of my hobbies. Like I love video games. And wow. what's ironic is you know how you and I are obsessed with sports. Yeah. And we watch every sport and we yeah. play every sport. For video games, I never play sports. No games, way. Ever. Why? Because the rest of my life is sports, I want yeah, something yeah. different. So I something, play like yeah. first-person shooters or makes sense. I don't know, RPG, like all these other different yeah, yeah, genres. Yeah. But yeah, I don't play Madden. I don't play FIFA. I don't play any of those games. That's and people are always like, "You're obsessed with soccer." And I was like, "Yeah, but that's what real life's for." For video yeah, games, yeah, I, I want don't, something that I'm not. I don't gonna need do that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Okay, that makes sense yeah so definitely one of my pastimes and hobbies but anyways that's our recommendations this was a, a great episode and we really really enjoyed it thanks to all our listeners i know this was a little bit of a longer episode but hopefully you stuck with us and you enjoyed it we'll be back next month with a brand new episode if you want to reach out to us teeth and titanium omfs at gmail.com thanks again to brad who always helps us produce these episodes and oscar i will see you next time take care guys